can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you any money to go And that's why Movies we missed Hey, 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 hey! Welcome back to another wonderful episode of Movies We Missed. I am Brandon Greenhouse, joined by my lovely-ish co-host, Jane Blackburn Hammer, coming through live and Mm. in color. Um, (laughs) She is a Caucasian woman, but Mm. she is... I have a colorful, I would say I have a colorful vocabulary. Yeah, also you have an Um, olive complexion, I'd say. Oh, okay, yeah. So maybe like a a little bit more flavorful. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, then you're all that Mediterranean taste. <laughs> I feel like I'm not Mediterranean at all, but I'll take it. I was gonna I'm let in... you tell your tell your lie and live your truth. You know, <laughs> you're Appro- you, you started the lie. <laughs> Appropriation and taking you know mm-hmm. whatever you feel that day. There's been a lot of that lately in the in the news, and so I didn't know if you were trying to jump on that that bandwagon. Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so you... I wasn't sure. Are you talking about when you're referencing? There's been a lot of appropriation news. Are you referencing that white influencer who deemed themselves to be um, Korean and quote unquote transracial? Um, and then had almost 20 surgeries to sort of bring that the fantasy to life. <laughs> fantasy it turned out. How it turned the, out. Yeah. It looks like it looks. <laughs> the situation is a situation. So. Yeah. They are um, living their best life, that's for sure. Well, they're doing something. They're doing Anyways, something. how are you, Bran? How's your day going? I, I'm doing. I'm doing good. I actually, I got a, a rude awakening um, to a message from Jane, um, <laughs> a horror story that she shared with me about um, re- recounting a family uh, that that turned into, a, I guess, a horror movie. Well, it was an article that I sent you kind of early this morning. It was at yeah, like it was a New York Times. Um, it was a New York Times <laughs> article that uh, haunting to say the least. And it was like a weird like early morning text. But I like I was scrolling through Twitter, um, which is unfortunately how I get most of my news. And I saw it on there, and I like clicked into it, read the article, and I was like, oh my god, Brandon would be really interested in how insane this story is. So, do you want to tell the story? So, the story, um, it is it is a little gritty and a little grimy and maybe, I don't know, this will probably end up, Tara's probably going to edit this out anyway and put it in like a fucking snippet from midweek, but it's, it is a story that we should talk about, we want to talk about it a little bit. It's crazy, but we can keep it cute. Well, I mean, there's no way to keep there's this cute. There's no way to cute. keep it cute because not but a cute there... thing happens in it. <laughs> well, but we can keep dad, it less, the dad less looking gory than... Okay, stop it. How dare you? That's <laughs> disgusting. You are going straight to hell. Cute girl. Hell. La, la, la. Anyways. No one ever um, says you're going straight to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> you should, you should I, bring that I feel up. like I feel like if you're going straight to heaven, like maybe you're it. Like you know, like you don't necessarily need the reinforcement being like Oh how smug. <laughs> I also All I know like is, I'm going straight to heaven. No you don't. <laughs> you don't know that. But I thought you meant like if someone is saying it 
to you. Like if somebody sees you, if somebody sees you like handing like money and like a candy bar to like uh, a homeless man on the street, and then they're mm-hmm. like, "You're going straight to heaven." I saw what you did for him. Benevolent much? <laughs> First of all, that that is like kind of it's like a little bit of not like that's sort of rude the way you put it. It's Why? like okay, because yeah, the way you sound and said it made it sound like like that person thought the the person doing the good deed was like being showy about it. <laughs> Like bele- benevolent. <laughs> no, like you know. Knock, yeah, knock, but there was you know, there was like knock, a raised. Who's there? There's a raised Gracious. eyebrow with that, like benevolent much. <laughs> I was going more. I think I was going tonally more for like Brian Fellow's take on it. That's like you going straight to the pearly gates and God letting you in because you gave him that candy bore and that money. Yeah, <laughs> I do love me some Brian Fellows. Um, but let's get back to the subject at hand. Can That's we talk not the subject about that we're here to discuss. The... We're like, we're it's like a Russian doll at this point. We just keep opening and like. But let's get back to the other thing that we've digressed to, which is the um, murderous Iranian octogenarians, which yeah. had this very intense write up in the New York Times today, and like. It's so, it's such a crazy story. Like, so I guess they were accused and confessed to killing their daughter, their son-in-law, and their son. And they did it all over, like, the span of 10 years. Like, the first mm-hmm. murder was in 2011. And I mm-hmm. think the newest daughter murder was, was recently. Yeah, and the daughter was 2018. Yeah, and the daughter's 2018. So they waited, like... Seven Almost years. Almost a of- decade between when they killed the daughter's husband, their son-in-law, and then they were like to the and the daughter. They were like, "You can get some of his work too." Like <laughs> seven years later, can you like, imagine that we forgot about you, baby Bob? <laughs> but like, do do you think she knew that her parents killed her husband? Do you think that they killed her because she found out that they killed her husband? <gasps> Plot twist, maybe, or maybe she just had a smart mouth. Or maybe she was just getting a little too big for her britches. And they were like, you know what, sis? We got a spot for you, too. (laughs) This is, like, not funny. (laughs) Yeah, why are you laughing, though? Why are you saying? We're both laughing at things that are bad right now. I can tell you this, Jane. You are not going to heaven. (laughs) I don't know if you're going to hell, but I know where you're not going. You're going to be real cute in purgatory. <laughs> well, you know, thank God I don't believe in any of that stuff. So I think I'll just—it's going to be you in purgatory ether. with, and what they're going to do. It's never—it's not purgatory. Is supposed to be not too great, but not too bad. It's um, just supposed to be like a blank. That's and it's also like that's like a Catholic ideal, isn't it? Um, I think so. Yeah, it okay. is. Um, you are going to get what they're going to give you though. That's not too bad, mm-hmm. but not too good. They're going to give you like a diffuser that kind of works, but shorts out sometimes. So I know that's something like, for you because you're like a oh, big do you mean girl. like oh, for the end of my blow dryer? Yeah, it'll like sometimes work, but it sometimes won't. And when it doesn't, it's just gonna create like a frizzy mess. And Honestly, like, when you I get could. Your, when you I get could your be in purgatory color, right now if that's the logic. It would, yeah, it's true. I wasn't gonna say anything. With um, your hair, also, when you get your hair color, it'll always be like just a little bit off. Not like a lot, but enough that like when you go up to the other people there with you, like if you roll up on like, mm. I don't know who's who's mate. I don't know. I'm trying to think of who's maybe there. 
know, in purgatory with me. I don't know who's there. I was say, <laughs> Go ahead, fire those shots. I was. I'm not trying to fire shots. I was gonna say like Elaine Stritch feels like I could see him being like you. You were wild. Him I, as in the Lord or her being like you know, or this? them. Take a seat for a minute, you know, no pun intended, but you're still here. Um, shout out for all the Sunheim, Sunheim stands out there. She has yeah. you know, an iconic version of that song from Follies. Um, but mm. yeah, I, I feel like it's going to be like a real mixed bag there. You mm. probably like Newt Gingrich. Um, <laughs> I think he's going down below. I just wanted you to say it. Yeah, um, you know so, it too. <laughs> yeah, and like, you know, lip gloss that like is always stuck in the thing. I like how you, I'm just basically like, all you are is makeup and hair products. That's like all I'm doing <laughs> to give you. That is like... And, like. and like the inconvenience of them like not working properly is the thing that like ends me. But still kind of works. But it's the everyday of it, Jane. Mm-hmm. No, I understand. Describe, this is actually sounding more hellish than it is. Yeah, like. this is this is what I would describe as my own personal hell. Maybe. Maybe. And everything that they serve has coconuts in it. Oh God! Awful. And people are all. And every day you have to you have to suck on somebody's foot every day. Oh come on, man! That this is just hell. This hell. This is okay. Anyways, so <laughs> back to this family, which is really fucked up. And I feel like I. I mean. I feel like we should just finish the story because we didn't finish the story, even though we've gone off the rails like crazy. I'm sorry. Um, no, it's fine. Um, that's literally what we do here. Um, but so they like so they found the brothers mm-hmm. or sorry the sons remains, mm-hmm. and because they just like threw them out in like a dumpster, and <clears throat> then they confessed to all three murders. Like no, like th- there wasn't like. They didn't have to squeeze it out of them. There was no lie detectors. They're like, yeah, we did it. And the thing that said they said that like struck me was like, yeah. And if you let us out, like, I might do it to my other two children too. I don't think it was might, but <laughs> oh, it was like, like definitely. I think it was on site. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god, going down basement Friday the thirteenth, and guess who's playing Jason? Very bad. Um, I think that the two of them were like we're gonna put in we're gonna finish putting at work if given the opportunity you can try and let us out on bell and see what kind of moment happens but uh, we're telling you right now we are here to finish the job that we started and it may not be tomorrow it may not be the next day but trust it will happen exactly there's gonna be something else in that you know that eggnog um, so so um remember. anyways i was just like this story was like insane to me and like so tragic and so horrible and i was yes. like this like i hope that 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 like the the story gets told if it's a movie or series or something like that would be very interesting um you know character study into people who are willing to do things like that so that is why i brought it up and said to see you yeah, I'd say well, maybe before I hope for like you know a movie to come out, I'd hope for the healing for the <laughs> children. Uh, I mean, I like of course, I always the- you've always got your eye. I always got that Hollywood angle. Fodder, something you can pop popcorn and watch as people's traumas laid out for you. But uh, go off, Jane. Um, Jane Purgatory Hammer. Um, so I gave Jane the task. Um, some might even say the privilege of watching mm-hmm. the 1997 uh, Black 
cult classic, cult classic comedy, cult classic, you know, female-driven cult classic, uh, BAPS, starring Halle Berry, Natalie DeSalle Reed, Martin Landau, and Ian Richardson in the role of Manly, aka Alfred. If you've watched it, you get it. If mm-hmm. you know, you know. Um, and uh, yeah. Can I can I just ask you a quick question? Why Absolutely. did you say why did you say cult classic four hundred times in that description? Oh, just because I thought it fell into the cult classic category in many respects. So I wanted to hit them all up one by one. <laughs> okay, I'm glad. You definitely drove that, that point home. Um, it was and- also described as a as a female buddy comedy, which is accurate, but was such a funny descriptor to me. And I was like, ah, I guess it is. Well, um, because that instantly brings, like, um, bad I just boys instantly think of, oh, in- I instantly think of um, Jeff Daniels and uh, Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber. It's oh, like Dumb and Dumber, first- yeah. For some reason, that's the first thing I think of when I hear buddy comedy. That's so funny. I thought of Bad Boys. But, I mean, it is in a lot of sense. Oh, it is. It, it totally it, is. Yeah. But I just, like, it, th- there's so few of these, quote-unquote, yes. female buddy comedies that it's, like, it's also, like, a, it, it is the same category, but it's also different because it is, you know, it has just a different vibe than those for kinds sure, of things. For sure, for sure. Um, but I mean, but it also, but it also has like certain things that I feel like are canon for, you know, those movies. It's got a lot totally. of like physical comedy, some great mm-hmm. like slapstick humor, um, mm-hmm. fish out of water a lot mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, so it's got a lot of those things to it that I think are, uh, we've come to expect from totally, you know, so yeah, but it's also mm-hmm. a Cinderella story, you know, in many regards mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Did well, you Spoiler alert, I loved it. I just want to say that off the top. I don't think I would there have was been a- shocked if you didn't. Yeah, I don't think there was a- like anybody <clears throat> anybody who's seen the movie and understands my tastes would be shocked if I didn't like it. So um, yeah, it's fantastic. So do you want to go ahead and read your synopsis for me? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I'm gonna get into it. So everybody. Best friends, Nisi and Mickey, are struggling young waitresses working at a Decatur, Georgia diner. But they've got dreams that are bigger than this greasy spoon. Nisi is an incredible hairstylist and Mickey can throw down in the kitchen. But what they really want to do is combine their amazing talents by opening a beauty salon and restaurant combo that takes the world by storm. But with what money? I mean, the first thing they need to do is get out of Decatur. Did somebody read my mind? It turns out that there's an open casting call for a video vixen to star in the next big Heavy D music video. The video shoots all over the world, so they'll be traveling the world and making the kinds of connections that could really jumpstart their dreams. They just need to get to L.A. So they spend all their their life savings and buy one-way tickets to Hollywood. Well, the audition doesn't go quite as planned, and Nisi doesn't get that part. But as they are leaving the audition with their extensions in their hands and their dreams in the rear view, and wondering how they'll get back to Georgia, a handsome Italian stranger named Antonio approaches them and informs them that they are exactly what his boss, Isaac, is looking for to help with a special acting project. They soon meet Isaac Blakemore, the nephew of a very sickly and very wealthy Donald Blakemore. Isaac informs them that his dying uncle was once in love with a beautiful black domestic who worked on his family's estate many years ago named Lily. When Donald's parents found out about their love affair, Lily was unceremoniously dismissed and Donald has pined for his lost love ever since. 
Isaac wants Nisi to assume the role of Lily's granddaughter and befriend his uncle Donald. Isaac thinks this orchestrated meeting between his uncle and Lily's granddaughter would make Donald's last days all the more special. But as we know, the best laid plans of mice and men oft go awry. Will Nisi be able to convincingly pull off the role of Lily's granddaughter? Will Isaac's true intentions for orchestrating this deceit be as pure as they first appeared? But most importantly, will Nisi and Mickey get that rest-a-salon they've always dreamed of? Only one way to find out. Now, there's some icons in this house. There's some icons in this house. So, stop worrying about Cardi and Megan's wops, because we've got the original Babs right here. Get into it. (laughs) That was fantastic. A beautiful rendering of what this movie was about. The good times, the bad times. You really painted a picture that felt... Thank you real and authentic and you know i i felt like i was living through it all over again and i'm sure our oh, audience will you, feel Jane. the same way yeah thank you i'm um, always impressed with your synopsises synopsis synopsis yeah synopsis I, I think that's right yeah, yeah. that's how marion Webster's. i think that's yeah. what they have uh, yeah no it was it's a lot of fun this movie actually like it ended up sort of like pre- once getting into everything ended up presenting like a lot of bigger points to mm-hmm. me like once i started to sort of dive in like the reception of the movie which was like i think i was, I was kind of surprised believe it when i yeah. google this because what i try to do when you give me a movie is i look at nothing i put it up and I just watch it and I write my own impressions. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, I do, you know, <laughs> a small amount of research or a lot of research, depending on how much time I have. Um, but looking into this movie, I could not believe how poorly it was received. Like, it has, like, I think, like, a short, like, a really... Um, it has, like, a 13%, like, on Rotten um, Tomatoes. On Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. But it should be noted that it has, like, a 67% audience rating, though. So, like... Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it's one of those movies that, like, I think was beloved by people, but the critics, who were majority white men, almost all white absolutely. men... Absolutely. Um, and a few white women sprinkled in... Um, they felt a certain way about it and I mean it all sort of just like reeks of like you know classism and uh, racism 100% like yeah. totally and there's some misogyny in there too uh, for good mm-hmm. measure uh, yeah I mean yeah there. like there's some really problematic stuff that was said about um, <laughs> that was said about them and uh, and some of it you just like you know it's <laughs> It's just really sort of unfortunate, you know, like um, <laughs> like Roger Roger Ebert uh, in his review where I think he gave the film zero stars. He said that its two heroines are more like tacky Cinderella's. Barry and Natalie DeSalle play vulgar and garish homegirls from Decatur, Georgia. Oh, my God. So, enough. Yeah. Like enough Roger Ebert in 1997. Like you I don't mean, you you don't you a you're not the audience. B, you don't have the capacity to review a movie like this in any in any way that makes sense that's the thing is that white people are sort of you know given this free range to sort of like you know assess and process like the experiences of other cultures and Mm -hmm. it's like we trust them to be some sort of like barometer um which is you know incorrect which is insane and not only are we like commenting on it we're passing judgment on um cultures that we're not a part of and that like we didn't grow up like 
with any understanding. I'm assuming Roger Ebert didn't grow up with any. I don't know. I don't know. What I know Roger, Roger Ebert. Life is. Uh, Roger Ebert was mm. married to a black woman, um, which does yes. not in any way <laughs> which woke not or like racist. anything. Yeah. I think at times it. I, I think I think it's those moments though where you're like you have so little understanding of like different types of you know black experience. And I what these reviews what reeks what these reviews reek of is this idea of what I feel like people are saying in their reviews uh, is. Is if that like that if I were this person, that's this is how I would feel. Like, oh, I'd be so right. embarrassed to wear that, or oh, I'd be so embarrassed to have a gold tooth in my mouth. Or, you know, they make mention of Halle Berry's blonde hair and her gold teeth and her long nails and how this is some sort of like, you know, hyper reality, which I mean like it, most movies and most characters Every... are, a, are a hyper a hyper version of something, you know, um, because we don't want to see, you know, Maud down the hall on the big screen typically. So it's like if you're going to have a character they are going to be in a way sort of an amalgamation of a lot of different aspects of a culture mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. completely valid and i and I, I i get that but my i think my main thing is like like the, but it's it's the whole thing about like the fast and the furious like we just watched that movie and we talked about how like everyone is dressed to like the like most heightened version of who they're supposed to be sure. and so like this is the same thing but because it's a white person looking at something that is culturally black they don't understand it or like or they steal from it not realizing they're stealing from it and then like totally crap on it when it's a black movie you know what I mean people kept saying oh uh, we're laughing at them not with them and I thought I'm always laughing with them I'm I'm not laughing at them. They're they're not on display for me in that way. And mm-hmm. like, while I can acknowledge, obviously, that this isn't. It's that thing of like how whenever like you know a black, I feel like black films get made, it becomes this whole thing of like like nobody's saying that blackness is a monolith. Like they are not a representation mm-hmm. of every black experience in the world, nor should they be. But they Absolutely are not. a valid you know representation of like th- these are people that exist in the world. There are women in the world who mm-hmm. wear outfits like this and who you know and who wear their hair maybe not quite to that extent unless they're going to like you know very special events or they're going to like a hair show in Atlanta or something like absolutely. that absolutely I was just about to say it like hair wilder shows than and stuff that, like though. that it, it, gets, it gets yeah bigger than that you know what I mean like th- but but these are like the makings of um, a part of like the black female experience so it's like mm-hmm. just because it doesn't look like something that you understand you know you live in a world that I can only assume is like very sort of of quadrant off and you wouldn't have an experience of this unless you were going into places where this type of thing was happening but like mm-hmm. the idea that they are you know clowns or or whatever I, I really I think it's just unfair and I think it's short it's incredibly unfair and it's incredibly short-sighted and it's frustrating and like one of the things that is so frustrating about this to me actually is that like one of the most like culturally beloved movies that kept coming to mind while I was watching this was Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion because yes. they are and, and I, I I'm not uh, you know they're they were obviously made at similar times and they were released within Both like a month of each other yeah. yeah they were within a month of each other oh wow and yeah so like it's not like uh, I I'm not saying that like Baps is like the black version of Romy and Michelle's or anything like that because I don't I'm not trying to say that Romy and Michelle's is like the standard but I just 
notice the similarities between a lot those of two movies yeah, because it's like it's that buddy comedy between two women who are very close who will who are doing you know who are supporting each other through everything who have an incredibly um what's the word an incredibly interesting and like eclectic um sense of style and with Romy and Michelle that is that was so celebrated at the yeah. time and with Baps, it seems like that was not celebrated. And it's so interesting because actually, if you look at the clothes from Romy and Michelle and you look at the clothes at Baps, they're not that dissimilar. You know, they're no, not, not at they're, all. They're, there's a lot of vinyl, there's a lot of bright colors, there's a lot Both of. of big jewelry and it's it's very interesting to me and it's like hmm I smell a fish here one of these is celebrated and one of these are pretty universally panned like and what could be the deciding factor hmm you know yeah what's the racism yeah what's the way in which they differ and also I mean aside from even that we've got a movie where we have two female leads at the helm of it which is the other you know what I mean and that other Mm -hmm. thing and the bullshit around females being funny and Mm -hmm. I mean I think why this movie really does succeed seed is because I think that we have a, a cast of really formidable um, performers and I Absolutely. think that Natalie DeSalle Reed um, unfortunately she was so funny and I was so, so sad good. to find out that she passed away in 2020 yeah she passed away in December of 2020 she's so wonderful in this she was so wonderful on Eve she played one of Eve's best friends mm-hmm. on that, uh, the uh, Eve's television show mm-hmm. um, she also uh, was one of the stepsisters in uh, Brandy's iteration of Cinderella, Brandy and Winnie Houston's iteration of Cinderella. So, um, yeah, she's just a really wonderful um, performer. Um, she's, you know, she's from where I'm from. She's from Alexandria, Louisiana, which is very close to uh, oh, Shreveport. So, like, we have, yeah, That's we have cute. a lot of connections. And, um, yeah, she's just such a source of light in this movie. And, I mean, I think that, like, the things about this movie, I was sort of thinking about... And I mean, I could talk about them or we can sort of talk about them as we go through. But like, Mm -hmm. there's things about this movie that I think make it special. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, make it a movie worth seeing. Um, But you, let's just go ahead and dive in and then I'll just sort of talk about them as they come up. Um, One of the first things that, I'm sorry, one of the first things that I was going to say though... is the, um, I think what's really cool about this movie and what actually ties into what you said about Romy and Michelle is that, like, we're dealing with two women who are uh, working class, you know, mm-hmm. and they have big dreams. They have dreams of entrepreneurship. Like, that's mm-hmm. something that I don't think I'd really seen in a movie. Probably one of the reasons why it stuck with me from a very young age was these two black women who um, have a set of circumstances that they're living within, but they're looking to the skies. They're looking ahead at, like, mm-hmm. the possibilities of, like, what their life could be. And mm-hmm. I think that was one of the first things that isn't really talked about in any of the reviews is that I think is like sort of worth celebrating as well as like we have these two black female leads who have big dreams and are sort of uh, banding together, you know, to try and bring them to fruition. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that in ties into Romy Michelle, of course. Yeah. And, and I think it ties into that, like supporting each other no matter what, mm-hmm. particularly mm-hmm. when the world is not on your side because you know if you have two working class um, you know black women clearly the world is not there to help you in any Mm -hmm. real way Um, and so it was really nice to see them um, you know 
fight for each other. And, like, I think a, a lot of the things, particularly in movies from this time, too, is, like, it's, like, women sort of pitted against each other. And, like, that... You don't see that anywhere in this mm. movie. And... I was, like, waiting for, like, their relationship to break down because that's always a part of these buddy comedies. And I loved the fact that that never happened. It was always, they never, they they were always there for each other. They never got into a fight where they, you know, separated in the, you know, final third of the movie and then um, came back together and reconciled. They were just, the, there were circumstances that were happening around them and they didn't have to, we didn't have to watch them fall apart we watched them get stronger and i was like that's a rarity in yeah. a lot of movies i agree um so that was really nice to watch but i think like yeah i i wrote a lot I, so my first i took like what i do normally when I watch movies is just like take notes as i'm watching it and then the second one the second time around i started thinking about all these themes so i have like again like a lot of like ultra overarching themes that like um you know about the whole movie so I'm like I don't even know where the fuck to start I mean I guess we can start with like the clothes and the hair and all of that yeah. because it was fucking fantastic and like it's really good I've known about this movie for you know probably since it came out it's part of like the cultural zeitgeist or has Absolutely. been um you see a lot of people um dressing up for like for Halloween and stuff as Nisi and Mickey and um you know I just feel like I, I I've seen the images of these movies but it was really nice to watch like their outfits they have the you know what I always call the Flojo nails Flojo is the oh, first yeah, person absolutely. I saw having those like insanely long nails yeah absolutely um which I respect any woman who can do that because I absolutely cannot Especially doing a job like waitressing. Um, oh my god! Like, yeah, no, they the the nails are really, um, yeah, the nails are really amazing. Um, the nails are amazing. The, sorry. No, no, I was gonna say Ruth E. Carter, who did the costumes, who also did the costumes for Black Panther, won the Oscar for that. She, she oh, did, amazing! Yeah, she did Malcolm X. She did Dolomite is my name recently. She did Amistad. Wow. So she's been a go-to, and as far as uh, you know, so many black cinema classics, cinema classics. Mm-hmm. So general but she's really like you know a name um she really came to prevalence though i think with black panther and you know was brought to the forefront of the the conversation around like incredible prolific uh costume designers and you know with the oscar that sort of really helped to cement her legacy as one of the best um the uh the other thing was i was going to say earlier was you brought culture i was going to say it's like the thing is that I, I was thinking about it while watching it, but Babs is referenced so much in culture, in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Trina and Nicki Minaj had a song. Um, I don't think it quite performed like they thought it would or wanted it to, but <laughs> it was called Babs. That came out in 2019. Um, we oh, also, I'm, of course... I missed that one. Yeah, I think quite a few did. Um, and then we have WAP <laughs> as well, obviously. WAP uh, mm-hmm. by Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion. That is inspired by Babs. The music video, the hairstyles, the album mm-hmm. cover, all of it is inspired by Babs. Also on season 13 of RuPaul's Drag Race just now, the the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race, spoiler alert, guys, but I mean, come on. Um, but she had, um, she did uh, uh, one of her... I don't know Oh, okay. I feel like I'm going to run it for you then. Um, well, just t- I'm going to watch it, but... You'll like, watch I, it eventually, but yeah. Simone, who who won the show, she had... Okay, uh, I, I knew she was going to win. I pegged her from the first, but go ahead. When you she just, came in... 
I, I pegged her from the first episode because I was the winner the first for sure. Yeah, because yeah. it was the, it was the Polaroid dress. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, whoever she is, she's winning. She's gonna win the show. She had, but they yeah. had to do like uh, there was an episode where they had to dress up one of the um, one of the other contestants, and she had what she brought with her was Babs themed <gasps> outfits. Amazing. There was a whole, it was actually a really interesting conversation because uh, Utica, who was the queen that she had to dress, was really mm-hmm. sort of reticent about she's a white queen. She was really nervous about putting on the outfit and the wig and it coming across like she was in some way making fun of the culture and yeah. you know Simone I can understand that yeah it was a concern you know but but you yeah. know RuPaul and Simone both sort of being like that's not what we're doing it has to do with you know which I don't think is always the case but in this case it has to do with the spirit that you're bringing to it you mm-hmm. know and so it ended up being a, a really amazing runway um, but wow. I didn't just say that to say that it's still very prevalent in you know pop mm-hmm. culture all these years later it is still something that comes up over and over again. I think these are the things that really, you know, um, show like ultimately like the success of like, you know, a film and like what it really means to the people, you know, who the movies are made for. And so, I mean, what a, what a beautiful sort of, you know, celebration of that. Exactly. And just like, I mean, the hair in this movie is incredible. It's so just, it's it's a celebration of black hair, which like shows up in film almost never. Um, yeah, so true. it was really wonderful to see. It was like I've I've watched some like documentaries about. Um, hair shows in Atlanta and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and sort of like I mean the amazing amazing things people can do and so this was sort of like flashing me back to those um, documentaries and the fact that like you know um, I loved Halle Berry's like white blonde that was like I was like I want to take a picture of that and like that's the that's the white blonde that I'm always going for. It's it's great and it looks it looks amazing on her yeah no the hair is just it's it's incredible and I wanted to like look at the hair and makeup team and see like who did this because like whoever like first of all watching this movie I was like the hair and the makeup is flawless in every single scene which is rare particularly by 1997 standards and I'm like obnoxiously like I have my eye on that always and also like let's like like also call truth to the fact that like I'm a white woman watching this I really don't have much experience with like black hair in the culture other than like what I've seen with my friends and you know whatever but you but, also like, you worked for Mary Kay for a number of years though didn't you before <laughs> that unceremoniously um, they took back the pink Cadillac didn't they Mary Kay is makeup is. not hair so but regardless you worked in the beauty industry for a long time and you were out there <laughs> feet to the pavement, knocking on doors and trying to earn the trust of some of, you you know, the housewives of the suburbs. The people. And I I clearly didn't earn it, I'll tell you. You got Um, the pink Cadillac. I think they took it back, though, if I remember. Well, I did steal it. It was a theft. It was something with petty cash, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was very adventures in babysitting. <laughs> I was. I remember. I remember hearing you say, "I'm right. I'm right on top of that rose." I'm, and I and I was. And what I meant, I was. I was right. My hand was right on top of the stash of petty petty cash. Oh, you were in the cookie jar. I feel you. Okay. <laughs> the company. The company coffers. Um. 
But anyways, back to the hair. They're incredible, incredible stuff that they were doing. And I know, like, also a lot of the conversation that I've been hearing recently is about how, like, a lot of people on a lot of a lot of black women on movie sets, like generally there aren't people who know how to work with black hair or have experience or whatever. So like and that is now becoming part of the conversation like that has to if you, you know, if you you have people of color or black women in on your set they need to know how to do their fucking hair (laughs) like that seems so like logical to me it's insane that it's gone so long for without doing it but i i i was looking at the um the hair team and just looking at their individual imdb pages and the credits are insane i mean whoever there there's one in particular who um her name is kimberly kimball kimberly kimball she's a big deal She's a big deal, and she did she did hair for Baps for Cinderella for Moesha the Jamie Foxx show the Parkers, and it looks like she's been following around Beyonce and doing her hair too. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like she's yes. like on Lemonade, Dreamgirls, The Pink Panther. Yeah. Um, you know, Obsessed, another um, incredible Beyonce movie. If you guys haven't seen it, check That's it out. Beyonce as the long-suffering wife Sharon. Exactly. <laughs> having to win her husband back from the Caucasian clutches um, one Miss uh, Ali Larder one Miss Erica Christensen I thought it was Ali Larder why are you not saying anything so trying to look it up real quick okay but you know me and these these fingers <laughs> Also, I was supposed to be typing in Obsessed, and I legit was typing in Inseparable, so I'm just a mess. Um, it was Allie Larder. It was Allie Larder. Uh, Allie you know Larder. Allie, you know Allie Larder and Eric and Christensen. You know that they both show up at those auditions, and they, you know, they wait for the other They're one like, to come They're like, you're in the room. here. And, um, what's the, what's the, uh, Amy Smart's there in the mix, too. Yeah, You Amy's... know the three of them, it's like, shh, shh, she's here. I remember there was, like, a time period where, like, Amy Smart, like, dyed her hair red, and I was like, I know what you're doing. You trying to do? <laughs> I know what you. Uh, I know what you did last weekend. <laughs> you, you called up uh, Kim. You called up Kimberly Kimball, and she was like, "No, boo, I'm, I'm busy. I'm I'm booked and busy. In fact, booked and busy and blessed. <laughs> I don't know how to help you." And she was, you know, I get it. But shout out to all three of them. They're, you know, mm-hmm. they're the, they're probably the holy trinity in some circles, right? I, we've got some... like we've got swim fan. Mm-hmm. Christensen's got swim fan. One of them has got We've, Final Destination, right? One of them has got who's in Final? Is Allie Larder in Final Destination? You all I know, I, just, all I had was one of them. I was um, hoping you could. Uh, road Road Trip isn't that one? Isn't Probably. Amy Smart in that one? Probably. Literally, this is such a lost cause. We're never gonna get it right. So the okay. dolls are the dolls were working though in the nineties. <laughs> the girls, the they girls were, and the early aughts, the phone didn't stop ringing. Yeah. Um, okay, so also I want to talk about some plot things. I love this yeah. movie, but the plot holes. <laughs> oh, go for it, Ma. We're That's like we're a Swiss, a cheese. Okay, so first of all, let's just like there. For, there's so many good cameos too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, first one we saw Bernie Mac. Love Bernie him. Mac, yeah, R.I.P. Yeah. I was good to see him. Um, <laughs> I like LOL'd when they were like so they. They were like talking about they saw this like advertisement um 
or uh, Nisi saw this advertisement three times for um, auditioning as a video girl for an MTV or for Heavy D's MTV mm-hmm. music video. It's not an MTV music video. It's just a music video. That's but, where it's gonna be at. <laughs> exactly. Um, and they were like, and the prize is ten thousand dollars. And they were like. <laughs> we're gonna use that ten thousand dollars to open up a salon slash restaurant and i was thinking ten thousand dollars that is not anywhere near enough money to do that also if you take into account the fact that like the auditions if i remember correctly they're at the diner working and nisi overhears the radio dj say that they're doing auditions for heavy d's you know music video um while she's working and then she sort of has that light bulb moment like this is our chance i gotta go and mm-hmm. i was thinking like if this is really next week think about 1997 how much that a flight probably cost to mm-hmm. from georgia to los angeles they mm-hmm. just bought two tickets last minute you know <laughs> maybe within a couple days but like that that was probably and like you know they're not going on like google flights to find the best deal like you that's like you google doesn't call exist. an airline yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah nobody's going on the internet because it's not freely and widely like available exactly like, like al gore's the only one using it at this point and you know what that site would have been anyway it would have been like a, it would have been like a pencil in the corner and some janky animation at the top it was it would not have been conducive to like an influx of like traffic as far as like let me hop on you know americanairlines.com and see what they got you better have you better have that that you better have that phone cord plugged in and you better tell your girl in the other room don't you if you pick up the phone you are fucked Exactly. Um, anyways, so maybe in 1997, $10,000 was enough capital to start a salon slash restaurant. But it seems like no, that's you like... You know it wasn't. I know. It seems low to me. But also, I mean, like, remember when, like, Video Girls was, like, such a coveted position? Absolutely. Like, that, like I was thinking about, like, <laughs> you made a reference the other day, not on the pod, just in life, to Tawny I don't talk to you. I don't usually talk to you off... <laughs> Off camera, <laughs> off the mics, but cute. Literally. Tell your, Tell your version of events, Jane. <laughs> um, Tawny Katane, though. She was a video girl, and we yeah, all know yeah. her name. Absolutely. We all know her name because of one really um, important video, which was for the for you younger kids. It was a white snake video, and she like dry humped a, a white car, I think. Um, and now car? she. I just thought it was like red. <laughs> Maybe it's red. I don't know. Well, I thought it was white because white snake, but I could have just like been making that up. But anyways, now she's like a household name. Like you and I both know who that is. But like Absolutely. now, video like a video girl is isn't like a thing that's not like particularly because people don't watch MTV and VH1 and BET in the same way that they used to no but what is what MTV now is literally Teen Mom Marathons and like Teen Mom 2 which is like (laughs) I don't even I've never seen either of those shows but I don't understand why it needs like a 2 behind it like it's a completely different series well it's a different cast And it's a, so it's the same. So the Team Mom One is the same. Brandon, you're forcing me to come out on this podcast and let everybody know that yes, I've watched many seasons of Team Mom. <laughs> Look, I can't. They can't all be thinkers. You know what I mean? I can't spend every moment of my life mulling over, you know, yeah. the existential questions. Sometimes I need to sit on my couch and watch a 16 year old argue with her boy boyfriend about child support <laughs> well you already you already told us that you get your news from twitter so <laughs> oh, 
God, I'm just them, like she's telling them the truth today. Okay. Um, I did want to point out to you. I was looking it up. So, so in 1997, um, ten thousand dollars in 1997 today would equal sixteen thousand seven hundred seventy-two dollars. So okay, so still probably not enough. Not, still enough. not enough to open a restaurant. Slash. Yeah. A slash salon. Also, the difficulties in doing that, like the logistical, like health code shit, like I, that's got to be tough. Although I'm not convinced that doesn't exist because I think there's a place in Chicago, at least, that is a bar and a barber shop. I mean, but there's I don't know if a, they serve food. Well, we this is completely different, but we definitely went to <laughs> in New Orleans. We went to a place called Melba's, and they had um, a restaurant that was attached to a laundromat. I know that's different. That's very different. But I'm, but I'm just saying, like, I mean, if you created like some sort of corridor and they were sort of, you know, separate entities, or they were separated, separated by like a really sort of like beautiful, like, you know, uh, hallway that, like, you know, yeah. Look, there, I'm not, I'm not to do. I, I'm not here to yuck their yum. I want to celebrate them and their dreams and their journey all and and get and spoiler alert, they get there in the end. So I'm not here to rain on this parade, obviously. Also, speaking of money, one of the things I noticed is that when they went out to the club, um, what was it called? The the gold teeth or gold something? Gold tooth. Gold tooth. Go the gold tooth. Um, and they were trying to get like different, like those guys to buy them drinks. They ordered four drinks for $16. I was like, that is the deal of a fucking century. Yeah. And the dudes didn't have the money. <laughs> they didn't and have Nisi, the money. And Mickey up. said, oh, hell no. Nah, let's go. <laughs> And they walked off. And then they're like, and then their would-be boyfriend showed up and they were like, okay, finally, we can get some drinks. And then they walked over to the bar and he was like, $16. And those two fools were staring at him too. And they were like, oh, hell no. It was great. It was great. That was, that was such a good moment. I loved that. Yeah, but you're right. Four drinks for 16 is like, that's a deal right there. The deal of a lifetime. So, and th- there we meet their boyfriends and we find out that they're kind of like good for nothing. You know, they have this idea, which um, is called, hold on, I wrote it down, um, page a cab luxury cab service, which is basically uber if you think about it it's it really just before is smart smartphones yeah. and i think that they should too because honestly they came up with the idea it's i mean true it, it really is i mean and it's them picking you up for the pay it's them picking you up in luxury vehicles as well so exactly it's like so it's like uber, uber black X. yeah i was gonna yeah. say uber xl but i don't know anything uber xl is a big vehicle isn't it yeah uber xl is the big one uber black is like the fancy one by the way we are not sponsored by uber but we are willing but to we, be but we could be <laughs> Jane will um, do anything for that sponsorship and I support her and don't judge <laughs> you've always been the Mickey to my niece and I've absolutely yeah <laughs> when they're at the when they're at the audition that's also when they're at the audition they're in line and oh uh, my the god girls are stretching and the niece's like let me give him a little something and she starts doing her um spirited um version of uh interpretive dance and then like niece comes up behind her and she's like hyping her out and she's like yeah, big boy. So I love, good. love, love um, Mickey's whole vibe because she's oh, just yeah. like the as ridiculous as um, Nisi like gets. She's like there for it. She's Absolutely. like, I will literally lay down in traffic for you because you are my best friend and I support you. And I was just like, this is so beautiful. Also, the sounds that <laughs> Nisi Halle Berry was making when she does her little interpretive dance. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was watching with Tara, and she was like, see if you can get Brandon to make those sounds on the podcast. And you didn't even have to ask. And I didn't have to ask. I knew they were ready. Um, but that was great. And then, like, <laughs> the girl, like, the or sorry, the woman who is in front of them in line, who, like, is, like, a quote-unquote real dancer and, like, does her routine, I just thought, you know what? Fuck you. That's so obnoxious. <laughs> like, yeah, I... Like, you're it's clearly like a, showing off in line trying to intimidate your competitors, and I don't like it. It's also, like, that's, like, the, people do that at acting auditions and stuff, too. They always want you to, like, know... That people love for you to know that they know other people. And, like, oh, when I'm people sure. come out of the room, people love, like, rolling up on them and, being, you know, and they start having their little hubbub. It's like, nobody cares. This doesn't intimidate me. Also, who do you know? The one who's coming out of the room who's auditioning, like, the rest of us? Because you, you we got all it seem to be in the same place right now, and also yeah. you're auditioning like against your friend anyway, so it's got to be awkward. Yeah. So. Also, everybody here, we're all hungry for it. Like, you didn't get a special, you didn't get a special call where they told you the part was yours, did you? You're sitting here right next to me. So boy, take your seat, baby boy, until they call your name, because you have to wait just like everybody else, just like everybody else. And neither one of us got it. How's that? Not it's a great, funny. not a great flex for me. But. Yeah, I would say like. Definitely, like maybe leave that on the back burner. <laughs> and we both and we both left that audition sadder but wiser. So there. <laughs> and we can both see our careers slipping through our hands like water. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, oh. <laughs> Whoa. Not. Um, not cool. I did it. I took it too far, and I knew it was gonna happen someday. <sighs> um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So also. The thing, it made me think of like I've I I am not an actor I don't do auditions but like I watch American Idol and um, you pretend to be a loving wife though the vo- <laughs> you that's gotta count bitch. for something right <laughs> nope okay no I watch okay I watch American Idol I watch The Voice I watch America's Got Talent because I'm flexing we get it <laughs> and like I always see people like in line like running their fucking like you know their song. <laughs> Exactly, and it's like, I know what you're doing. First of all, you spot the camera, so you are getting on TV. (laughs) Just like that. Enough. Some of them don't have the chops that you do, B. Thank you, Some of them don't. Um, So anyway, so that was fun. So then, like, (laughs) a random stranger comes up to them after their audition named Antonio, and he's Italian, and he's, like, (laughs) leering at them, and he's like, hey, have I got an opportunity for you guys? And they're like, cool, let's go. And they get into a car with a literal stranger that they've never met before. It's insane, although we do later find out that, like, you know, Nikki and Mickey, they throw hands. And, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, his, they can. Be- his ass <laughs> but, but for sure, you're like, like, where are you going? Also, when they walk out of the audition, they're like, yeah, let's find a hotel to stay at. And it's like, no, let's set up a reservation. <laughs> I know. 
This is the thing. You cannot fly by the seat of your pants. You do not have a smartphone that you no. can pull up and, like, make a reservation for tonight. So, like, it seems like you should have, like, booked something. You should I mean, have booked something. I even if you were th- Even if you were thinking, like, although, obviously, this money's already, this money they haven't gotten is already pouring through those fingers. But in the, in the world where you were thinking, like, I'm going to get this commercial, I'm going to get this 10K, they'll probably put me up in a hotel or something, which they wouldn't have. And you wouldn't even found out if you got the audition that day anyway. But, exactly. like, yeah, you needed a place to stay. They should have set up, like, a Ramada Inn by the highway. And then, right. you know, and then if you, you know, if you win and you decide, oh, let's celebrate, I'm going to get, you know, this money, let's maybe stay at, like, a slightly nicer hotel. Have mm-hmm. that moment. But, like, to just be like, let's let's figure it out. You know, it's like, oh, that's not a good place to be. I can't imagine, this is just me, though, I'm a nerd. I can't imagine getting to, like, a, like, a, a city that I've never been before and not having something set up as far as where my head will be laid that night. I mean, I can because I have done that before, but I've only done that when I know that I have like an internet connection and can set up something instantly. But it's not something I like doing. It's not something that I like. Like, I wouldn't do that if I didn't have access to a smartphone that could make a reservation for myself. Like... No fucking way. No fucking way. Because yeah, be then you're just like, what, wandering the streets, like, looking for a big sign that says hotel? You're literally just at the mercy of the elements, yeah. You're just, like, exactly. hoping that things work out for you. No, it would be a very, like, although, I mean, they have each other, but still, it's like, what, you know, you guys gotta have yeah. something, some, you, I mean, you can make a reservation and, like, not even, you know, go through with it and, you know. Yeah, cancel it. So, yeah, get something, get something on ice just in case. But this yeah. Antonio gentleman shows up and he's like, hey, my boss, uh, you're exactly what we're looking for. He sa- he actually says music video. He says, he, he says does. a music video opportunity, which quickly is obviously debunked, but. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, and they ask they no like, questions. They don't ask who your bosses. They don't ask the music videos for. They just no, get they into see the that, limo. that limo. And they're like, okay. That's legit enough for me. <laughs> and then they find out about like, you know, what the, what the project is when they meet mm-hmm. Isaac, Antonio's boss. Um, and for those of you who don't know, the project is basically, so <clears throat> well, you said this in your synopsis as well, but I, the pro- yeah, yeah, no, yeah, the, the, oh, should I not say it? I mean, it's fine. I mean, the project is basically, you know, Isaac, he's, he introduced himself as Isaac Blakemore and he basically, what's so funny? Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm just laughing because I was like, should I do it? And you're like, no. And then you're going to get to it. Oh, I'm sorry. You go ahead and take it. No, 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 no. It wasn't that, it wasn't that you were taking it. It was like, I thought you were <laughs> No, I'm a fucking joke to you. So you go ahead and you take it from here. Um, and I'll just be disrespected I in silence over here. <laughs> My bad. Oh my I'm God. sorry. You were getting ready to say what it was. You you set up the stage, Jane. He takes. Um, I don't need to, Bram. But I was just saying. He they meet Isaac, and you know he says that his uncle is dying in two weeks, and he fell in love with his um housekeeper when he was younger but they couldn't be together because housekeeper was black and she and he was white and it just wasn't accepted by the family at the time so they had to like separate and he ended up like it is now woman yeah exactly at the time yeah you heard of the royal family (laughs) oh god oh god oh god um and so yeah Was was that like that wasn't bad was that bad? No, I just it just reminded me. I was. Just oh, I thought about, you were like. Oh, I can't believe you're talking about it. No, 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 no. I <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. Talk about it. I was. Oh, re- yeah. 
in my head I was running through all of the things that Megan like revealed and I was like oh, oh yeah. god that's so bad like someone asking them how dark their baby was gonna be and yeah trying to do old school, that old school paper bag test somebody was like that worked really well in the 50s and the 60s go find one we used to do that at the Johnny Carson show Oh, so fucked. Um, uh, anyways, so they are going to pretend that... Um, this is also something that I found funny. They're going to pretend that um, Nisi is Lily's granddaughter, and Lily is the woman that Mr. Blackmore had ultimately fallen in love with uh, many years before. But they never explain who uh, Mickey is going to be. It's just I like... Think, I, I, I assume just like that it friend? was just... Yeah, just her friend who's with her. I think that's where I assumed. Okay, I assumed that too. It just like wasn't. There wasn't a moment of them being like, yeah, you know, and Mickey being like, well, who am I going to be? And then them being like, well, uh, you could play, you know, you'll play, you'll be our best friend who's coming along, you know, for the ride. Yeah, there's just like a lot of things that I feel like they like didn't, and maybe they don't need to. Some of them they needed to, but there were a couple of things that they just like didn't mention. They were just like, you're going to accept this is the way it is, Um, and that was one of them. I was like, okay, I guess like that's fine, but anyways. So then they, like, are my favorite, probably my favorite scene of this whole movie is the bidet scene. It's a, it's a, cla- it's uh, classic, it's classic slapstick comedy. And it's it, so ex- slapstick It's executed, it's executed brilliantly, and it works so well because of what I said earlier. It's the level of, like, commitment that Natalie DeSelry yes. and Holly Berry bring to those, that part and those characters. Like, that's the thing, is it's like, they, there's so so in it and I mean that's really what comedy especially slapstick comedy I think lives and dies on yes is, you know that's the thing your about, full you know, commitment your your full you know your full commitment and like trying to do a thing I remember uh, one of my <laughs> professors sort of us having a conversation about comedy and him explaining to us like you know that like somebody was doing something comedic in my class and like probably gilding the lily and like nodding and winking at the <laughs> audience the entire time <laughs> and he was like no, that doesn't work because you don't believe in the seriousness of it. And like, it's only funny if we're watching you in a set of, you know, outlandish circumstances that are the result of you seriously trying to com- complete something, trying to complete a task. If you're completing mm-hmm. the task with a wink in your eye, then that's not great. But like, if you're trying to do something and then he got up on the stage and he pulled out one of our prop doors and he was like, like me trying to open this door and he started trying to open the door and it was like the funniest thing and he couldn't <laughs> open the door and he's like it's frustrating for me because it's funny for you but it's frustrating for me because I'm just a person trying to open a door and it's just very difficult for me but that's mm-hmm. where the humor lives it doesn't work if I turn to the audience and I give them you know the wink and the smirk like no it's like exactly you that's have to know is. that this is their like yeah and this is their reality where they have just turned on the power washer of a bidet and it is flying water is flying all over the room and they're freaking out because they are in this like mansion and they they don't want to cause a kerfuffle and be like you know and flood the bathroom of this place and so they're like desperately trying to turn it off <laughs> they fall all over each other at one point like Nisi ends up like kneeling on Mickey's back and like back. turning it off my, it's my so back. good that's, that's one of my favorite parts in the scene is it's like so Nisi on Nisi on all Mickey's on all fours somehow and Nisi's on her back trying to get and you just hear you just hear Mickey going my back my back 
my back. Girl, you own my back. And it's like, that's some real stuff, girl. You, you know, it's that's some real, real life. stuff. And it's like, and, and it's like, they are. You realize, you realize, get off my damn back. And it's so good because they are so committed. And you can, like, hear the panic in them as they're, like, trying to figure it out. It is so good. I watched it. The first time I watched it, I watched it, like, three times because I was just, like, crying, laughing. It's so, it's so, it's so funny. And then, and then they're drenched in water and in these, like, spandex outfits. And, like, then they have to go downstairs. And then they come downstairs (laughs) and they look lovely. And you're like, that took... That well, she says they get they get a message on the intercom from the butler uh, Ian Richardson who plays the character of Manly who's wonderful. He sends mm-hmm. him up a message, and at this point in the movie, he is he is very like he is very against them being here. He is very reticent to you know to them sort of you know being in this mansion. Who are these women? And he sent and he says you know he'll see you now. And then I think Nisi says like give us give us like 10 minutes or something and Mickey's like (laughs) 10 minutes (laughs) it's so good they play off each other really well like you for you don't for a second doubt that they're really good friends and I think that that they must like I I, I want to live in a world where they are or they were um, because they just have like a really like <clears throat> there's a warmth rapport. there's a there's a yeah. warmth there's a chemistry um, mm-hmm. and Halle Berry I remember I, I got teary eyed I remember when um, Natalie uh, passed and Halle Berry posted like a really sweet message with a photo of the two of them mm-hmm. from the end of the movie like hugging each other and she just talked about you know her and how wonderful of a person she was and how good of a spirit she had and it's like you see that in the movie you see the love that they have for each other and you know mm-hmm. um yeah so that like that's that really you know that, that chemistry it just comes through um, it comes through and also like i feel like i mean i don't know i i guess i don't know how people perceive the two of them but like I know Halle Berry, how Halle Berry is perceived, and I don't necessarily think of her as a comedic actor. And it was so like fun to see her in this role because she's actually got really good timing. And I don't know if she gets a ton of credit for that. She doesn't get to do comedy a lot. It was funny because yeah. I, when I was looking through the trivia facts on um, IMDb, um, and they said like Holly Berry's first leading role, leading role in a comedy. And then I like went through her IMDb and I sort of scrolled through because it's like, what do we have? We have this. Yeah. We have like Boomerang, mm-hmm. um, which is more But of a she wasn't than really a, a leading role in that. She wasn't a leading role in that. And uh-huh. then that's Although really... she was, she did have some really funny moments in She Boomerang. did. She had some yeah. really funny moments. And then we have like one of the worst movies I've ever seen called the movie <laughs> 43. It's so Oh, bad. I and heard about that. I never saw it. It's like a it's but it's like all really it, famous people. Yeah, right? it's all really famous people. It's like an anthology kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like she has a scene with um, Merchant, Stephen Merchant, I think is his name, right? Um, British, Why does that sound tall, familiar? British man. I think he was in the office. You think Stephen? Oh, oh, yeah. And they okay. have like this. They go on this date, and it's and she's like, you know, she's obviously Stephen Merchant isn't stereotypically considered like a very handsome man, and Halle Berry mm-hmm. is 
uh, arguably one of the most beautiful women the standard the of the earth yeah. or beyond Mars I know she was on Mars for a moment for a photo shoot <laughs> for Cosmo um, but she's just gorgeous and so they go on this date and her whole thing is that she's into like you know uh, the pranking it's like a series of pranks where they keep like upping each other he realizes that that's her thing and so he thinks that's gonna sort of like ingratiate him to her mm-hmm. um, and so it's the two of them and she like dares him there's like a family celebrating a little girl's birthday and she dares him to go over as they're singing happy birthday and like eat t- stick his hand in the cake in the middle and eat it it's just a bunch of stuff and it ends with like daring to get like plastic surgery it's just it's an insane movie um and i'm sorry i went that far down into the hole my point is just that Holly Berry doesn't do a lot of comedy it's yeah. she does a lot of like high drama it was interesting she does looking yeah. through her resume i feel like um she's in the kingsman she's in one of the kingsman films but that's action that's not that's not comedy like no 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 she doesn't yeah. do this is this this is one of this and boomerang are like one of the few movies that i know i'd love to see her in more comedies like, yeah me too because she's really funny she's funny she's got great timing yeah yeah i mean there I, I don't know if it was her and um natalie who had that like really good um chemistry and that like really worked but i mean she was really funny in boomerang too so yeah, yeah i think definitely um i would love to see that <clears throat> for sure um but yeah, so the bidet scene was just like, I I I just like I felt like this has got to be like an iconic scene when I was watching it. It is it's so fucking funny. Yeah, it is. Um, and the, oh, and one of the things that they did, their comedy is so physical. So they like when they first meet Mr. Blakemore, um, and he's like, all of a sudden he's like, he gets really mad and's like, how dare you, blah blah. <laughs> My favorite thing that made me laugh so hard is like they're just like I'm out and they just ran out of the room. <laughs> like, there's like they, there there's the scene where Isaac after Isaac sits him down and explains to them like you're gonna be pretending to be Lily, you know my mm-hmm. uncle's long lost love's granddaughter. He brings them in to meet his uncle and his uncle's like in like a smoking jacket in like his private quarters like <laughs> reading a newspaper like n- a man who a man of this type of wealth I think like the sort of the, the the idea is that, you know, he would want to meet them and while like, you know, in like a proper sitting room, having right. had the opportunity to like, you know, put on his his finest, you know, attire, that kind of thing. And they like mm-hmm. he brings them in while he's like eating like Captain Crunch and like watching <laughs> reruns of Love Boat and like, you know <laughs> what is this reading like? the trades and like he's like, How dare you bring them in here? How dare you? <laughs> and it's like this moment and then you see like Holly Berry and Natalie DeSalle's <laughs> eyes get really big and they're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> And they just run out of the room. Which they just I run thought out of the room. was so funny. They like don't wait to figure out why he's angry. They're just like, I'm fucking out and I'm booking it. Like out of this house. I don't know where to go. I'm gonna hide out till things cool. Yeah. And that's what they do. And yeah. It's so <laughs> and so good. then they have this dinner and it's like Mr. Blakemore is like, oh, I, I'm sorry, I was so angry. Like, <laughs> I don't like surprises. And it's like, okay, that was like a very intense reaction <laughs> in front of people you don't know, too. Like, imagine, like, imagine if Dave <laughs> brought someone into your household and you were like in your pajamas and not. 
totally ready to receive them. And your reaction was, how dare you bring them into that my actually, house? It's funny that you said that actually happened. Mm. Dave tried to open up the relationship and bring in a third, and he didn't want okay. And I was watching Captain Planet reruns in my underwear. Um, <laughs> finger mid-dig up the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was eating some... I'm glad you said up the nose. Yeah. And no, nose and butt. I was alternating. And I was eating some fruity pebbles. <laughs> and Dave walked in the room and he was like, this is uh, Cherub. Uh, he, <laughs> Cherub. He lives uh, around the, you know, the, the park area. Estate, and yeah. I said, how... Dare you bring him in here while I'm eating my foodie pebbles and watching the captain of planet? How dare you! Get out! Get out! Go! Get! And then he ran off, the cats ran off. It was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. It was a big kerfuffle. Did you ever see Cherub again? I mean, in spirit, yeah. Like, I okay. see him. I see him in the kids playing outside in the sprinklers. I see him mm-hmm. in the mailman reluctantly mm-hmm. carrying a, a package up, up a flight of stairs. Mm-hmm. You know? Every time you close your eyes, I'm sure. Pretty much. And so, yeah, he's always going to be a part of my life. He's always going to be a part of your life. Um, mm-hmm. He is us. Cherub is me. <laughs> <laughs> Cherub is we, if I'm being honest. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm learning a lot about who I am and who you are throughout this. Um, so... <laughs> so they're at this awkward dinner... <laughs> And he's like, oh, sorry, I don't like surprises. Why? And is he British? I can't, I don't know. He's rich. I don't think so he's British. going British. <laughs> okay, you well. Really, you really <laughs> create a fantasy for yourself. Is he not like slightly British no, I sounding? Just, I think he's like he's an just American rich. man. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, he's like, sorry, I don't like surprises. And. There's no in between for you, huh? <laughs> I don't know how to play it. it now that either, it's like... You sounded you sounded like Mira Sorvino in Romy Michelle's High School Union. <laughs> Thank you. That's um, what you sounded like. You sounded like that to me. You sound I sound like Mira Sorvino. You sound like Mira Sorvino. I don't remember which one's Romy. I think Romy is That's Lisa Romy. Kudrow. No, Lisa Kudrow. Oh. Michelle? <laughs> I think that's actually a pretty good Mary Servino. Applaud me. It's not as good as me, but it was <laughs> All right. It was a good like 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 oh, if I didn't exist. God. It's then like pulling teeth to get a compliment out of you. Anyways, you so. are so beautiful and vital. No, that no, when she's like, Christy, why do you have to be such a fucking bitch all the time? <laughs> Ooh, that is really good. You're a mean you're a mean person with a you're a what is it? You're a mean person with a nasty heart, and we don't give a flying fuck what you think. Ugh. Oh, I got chills. I did too. That was really why good. Why did I get chills from myself though? It's just a movie. <laughs> The movie, it's so fucking good. Yeah, it's just the movie. I'll, oh, we'll go ahead and we'll movie. skate on that lie so we can sleep at night. <laughs> Lies we tell ourselves. <laughs> Giving yourself oh. fucking goosebumps. Okay, anyways, <laughs> back to this movie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like you haven't goosed yourself before, Jane. <laughs> I've 
goose myself. Don't worry. I goose myself Jane, this afternoon. I have, Jane, I have watched, I've watched, I've watched a movie with you and watched you look at yourself cry. You get the reflection of yourself crying at something dramatic happening in a movie. That is not true. I know it's true, girl. I know you. I know you to your core. What am I holding up a mirror during a movie? To you were holding up a mirror, Mama, but you did catch a glance at yourself and you did have a moment. One time, okay, this is no, one time Jane and I we watched we watched a documentary together, and it was a very sad documentary, mind you. But me, what Jane, and our friend Laura, we watched a documentary together. It was about this woman who like had had a baby with this man, and think in Canada, and like she like she was an unfit mother or something. They get divorced. He gets custody of the kid. She really wants the kid back, and ultimately. I think she ends up like shooting him and maybe oh dear Zachary dear yeah. Zachary oh my god that was such a tear and tear we all were like tearful because it was like a heartbreaking story oh my and then god. the movie was over and like <laughs> the three of us were like talking about the film and like how affected we were and like Jane was sort of like still like there was like shallow like shallow crying but she was still sort of emotional and Laura and I are like having this discussion and we're like talking looking at her and we're all just like man this is really hard and like it gets her crying got louder <laughs> louder and then I remember turning to her and being like do we have to acknowledge your tears in order to move forward because you are getting more and more unhinged the longer we're just having a discussion about the movie it's over and you are getting worked up and to a frenzied level and you were like what? and it was like man Never happened. We have teetered Please. into I don't. Anyways, um, and then <laughs> so one thing we did mention too is Antonio, the guy who finds them on the street and asks them to come back to the house. He has like he he like makes eyes at Mickey, and they're both like sort of like it's clear you know that they're like attracted to each other. And then the next time we see Antonio, he like comes to the door of their room, and. <laughs> Mickey does the funniest fucking thing. I don't know if you caught this, but they're like, Nisi and Mickey are lying um, on the bed, like lying on their stomachs on the bed and like their heads at the end of the bed and they're talking and then they hear Antonio and they look around and they see him on the, in the doorway and Mickey like gets excited and runs over to him and she like turns over and grabs her boob really quick as she says Antonio. <laughs> I did not clock that. I like screamed because it was such like subtle, like small thing that if you weren't looking for it, <laughs> like I mean I wasn't looking for it either, but it was just like if you don't notice it, like it the scene goes on and it's fine. But it was just so funny and such like a. a nod to how funny their physical comedy is and how they're just like always thinking as these characters um and so that really made me laugh um I should I'll <laughs> I like want to pull it up for you but I think like my rental ended on Amazon Prime but I'll, I'll find it I wonder if it's like on YouTube or something this might get cut <laughs> this, is a, this is a stupid digressing side story whatever but I don't know why this reminded me of Mary Beth and like this one time we were in high school we were all up in the theater and we had like some special like these people were coming I think to do like 
some sort of they were doing some sort of like quick tutorial of I don't know if it was stilt walking or acrobatic something for us, but I think it may have even been simpler than that. Like they were showing us a rigging system or something. But I just remember the theater was downstairs and there was a class going on there and we were upstairs in like the acting lab. And I remember like one of the girls came up to tell us like they were here and she was like <laughs> she was like, Hey guys, like the riggers are downstairs, like and uh and I feel like she said like the riggers are downstairs and one of them's kinda cute. And Mary Beth <laughs> shakes her fist at the sky and goes, Raging loins <laughs> just like one of them's okay looking basically <laughs> and like it sent her it's like you literally go to school to with so many moon. cute guys and like that's the thing like these and, oh my god and she hadn't so even seen funny. them yet no and she, she was all fucking in oh my god it was so funny uh, so the other thing <laughs> that I was gonna say that's uh, that's really cool too about this movie <laughs> Is I love that, like, and it's absolutely this way in the real world, but in movies, you don't see this often. Like, mm-hmm. I love that Mickey, who is beautiful, she's like mm-hmm. a plus size woman, mm-hmm. and like this guy who is like quote unquote stereotypically like this suave, handsome Antonio Banderas vibe, like, mm-hmm. you know, like Casanova. Um, mm-hmm. He's like, he wants to be with her, and it's not for laughs, and it's not mm-hmm. like their mutual attraction isn't being played for like jokes. And I feel like a especially in this time period, especially dealing with, like, a plus-size African-American woman, a mm-hmm. moment like that would have been played for, like, some sort of, like, joke or giggle or cheap 100%. laugh. 100%. And, like, he genuinely is attracted to her, and there seems to be a real, like, connection between them both. And it's just, mm-hmm. like, it's a really interesting thing that you don't... I mean, still, you don't really see very often in, like... No. In films. It's always a thing. It's always a... Th- it, it, so, I, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up, because I definitely have have a note about that too I mean obviously how could I not notice that as a plus size woman myself like to never see that on screen growing up where a woman a plus size woman is an object not an object but like a, a, a point of attraction for someone who is quote unquote more stereotypically um, attractive like <clears throat> without it being a thing without it being a joke without it being a punchline without it being the center of of the movie which I think that happens a lot now people really want to highlight that but then they make the whole movie center around the fact that it's you know maybe a fat girl and um, you know a thin guy fall in love and that's the whole story <laughs> and so I think that story is interesting and that story needs to be told of course but like it's so nice to see that in a movie where it's just part of the story and it's not a big deal because It took me well into my 20s to realize that, like, everybody is attracted to all different kinds of people. And, like, your value, it, like, doesn't go down just because you're not a thin person. Because, like, really, you know, people want to sleep with and have relationships with all different kinds of people. And so seeing that in 1997 when I was 12 would have been really fucking cool, you know? And so... It's sad that this isn't more of a mainstream movie, too, because I think, like, 
particularly black culture does a great job at celebrating bodies that aren't quote unquote like the thin European aesthetic and it's it sucks that that is like not more widely like celebrated um and it's black cultures latinx cultures like they're they're totally they're you know it's it's that whole thing of like you know it was such a novel it's funny now because i feel like the song sort of like changed in a way like the the meaning of it changed over the years widely not like at the time mm-hmm. it came out but like you look at like sir mixalot's baby got back obviously mm-hmm. that was like a huge cultural moment because it's mm-hmm. like even at the beginning of the song we've got like this sort of like voiceover of like you know this white woman commenting on the body of I mean I, it's a voiceover but I would you know I would believe it to be like a woman of color you mm-hmm. know and her posterior and like oh my god you know Becky look at her butt you know like it's mm-hmm. so round like, like that whole thing of like you know those bodies sort of being there to be gawked at and like mm-hmm. you know to I be on display of- yeah, and, yeah like that whole idea and I mean I think that like th- this whole thing with you know once they like v- you know Vogue like you know throws Kim Kardashian on the cover of the magazine and it's like big butts are in and it's like and it's like always been in everybody's always like big booties like exactly y'all are like the last one to the party you know <laughs> it's just like so true. oh my god once we and you know and now these women are spending thousands of dollars to try and get these you know these butts that a lot of women of color naturally have and have mm-hmm. been like you know maligned or like you know gawked at or you know the punchline as a result of having them i mean you know mm-hmm. It goes, or just it goes being, a lot deeper, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, you know, I mean, we could go on about the Kardashians for days about how much they appropriate black culture. and For sure, for sure. And monetize know. it. And then like, it yeah. was like that whole thing recently with um <laughs> with the whole TikTok thing where like that Megan Thee Stallion song came out and then like every all the black people were like, we're not giving you a dance. We're not going <laughs> to do a dance. Like, yes. we're not going to give you a dance to learn and then, you know, monetize on your on your channels and make money yep. off of. Like, we're just going to let you figure it out. And then all these crusty-ass dances that these white people are coming out with without, like, the <laughs> guidance of, like, POC to, like, show them, like, you know. And the, the reaction videos of, like, black women watching these, like... <laughs> <laughs> messy so white girls do this dance are so fucking funny. If you don't TikTok, you're missing out. I don't TikTok, um, but but I know what's going on, and I keep my ear to the pulse of like you do, you do. I was actually surprised that you knew that because I know that you don't TikTok, but you probably saw it on Instagram. I keep tabs on everything that's going on. <laughs> uh, but speaking of, so now um, Antonio and um, Mickey have this moment, but it's like so funny because it's like they're already instantly in love, but they've like never had a conversation. Like they like <laughs> when she sees him in her room, she like runs up and they hold hands and they just like say each other's name back and forth like they've been like separated for months at sea and it's like have you guys ever spoken? (laughs) Yeah because we didn't get that scene. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But then like he takes her into another room and he's like I have a secret. My family is very wealthy. I wanted someone to love me for me like before letting them like let like before um, you know getting to know that I'm rich. I wanted someone to love me for me, but it's like, Antonio, 
this is the first conversation that we're experiencing that you're having. So it's like you really didn't like give her a minute. Like no. it's not a secret if you reveal it instantly. <laughs> no. Like it was just like such a funny plot hole to me. So it's like was there like three or four scenes of them like really like getting to know each other that got cut and we just went straight for this? Like I don't it's really also like it's like, also a movie trope that like never happens in real life. It's just so frustrating. It's like I know that's the secret everybody wants. It's like <laughs> I have a secret. I have a big dick, and I'm a billionaire. It's like oh, I've been, been I- carrying that around. <laughs> oh. oh, what a burden! Oh, I've been shucks. waiting for almost a decade for Tara to tell me that she's got a secret trust fund that I don't know about. <laughs> I just want to make sure. I just, wanted, I just wanted us. I wanted us to have that struggle love for a while, so I could see who you really were. Because I knew you were going to enjoy these billions, but I just wanted to make sure that the ground was like sad. It's like okay. I mean, I'll take I it or I can give it. I guess I was been here through the lean times, and I thought this was as good as it got. So don't get me wrong. I was I definitely had that eye on the door, just right in my periphery, but I stuck it out while I, you know. Meanwhile, like your the the latest search in your computer is like you know. How to poison your spouse. Oh my god. Got like Craigslist, like studio apartments on like, you know, in that like incognito window. Can someone taste antifreeze? Wow. Whoa. Okay. Um,. Also, just like at the pool, Mickey's swim outfit is the most incredible, incredible so outfit I've ever seen. It's like a full like head to toe moment. It's polka dots. There's daisies. It's, really it's so good. It's navy and white, isn't it? Yeah, it's navy and white. So cute. Classic. I'm like going to Mexico at the end of the month. I'm like furious. I don't have that to pack with me, but whatever. So good. <laughs> um... And then we have a makeover sequence, which I just noted because every single movie we choose has a makeover and sequence. I know, and I and I was like, oh my god, there's another makeover <laughs> sequence in this movie. It's I like, love it. It's like Mr. Blakemore, obviously, like he he embraces these two like instantly, and like you know they bring him sort of back to life. He has that delicious meal that Mickey cooks, and then he comes downstairs the next day, and he's like, I want to go on a shopping spree, and so he's like taking the girls out and. They're really like, they're just, you know, they're having fun. I mean, it's like, it's the other thing that I thought about this movie too when I was reading all those shitty reviews is like so many of the things that they like criticize this movie for, like shit, like movies like Pretty Woman, you know, were celebrated for it, like through the yes. through the gaze of Vivian's whiteness, of course, will always protect mm-hmm. her. But like, I mean, like, you know, that character does a lot of the same things that they do. She's a fish out of water. She's a, she's a prostitute. And, um, you know, sex she goes worker. in these shops. She's a sex worker. Thank you, Jane. Tara, cut that out. For the love of God. Um, she's a sex <laughs> Leave worker. it in. We're all learning. And um, leave it in. Um, but but yeah, it's these moments where she's sort of, you know, she's disrespected and she's underestimated um, by, you know, Hector Elizondo um, at the hotel, the manager of the hotel, mm-hmm. by all these people. And it's like that same sort of like vibe and energy at times like um, is present here. Like they are mm-hmm. sort of, you know, um, they're sort of in those same in those same scenarios. And the other thing that I really love about this movie is that we've got two uh, black women who dress a certain way, who have certain hairstyles, Mm -hmm. um, and 
there's and Mr. Blake more. Like I just feel like you almost wait for the other shoe to drop. You know, when you're yes. watching this movie, like what's gonna happen? Is something untoward gonna gonna occur? And Mr. Blake more like he never sexualizes them. Like yes. he embraces them like daughters. There's like a sweetness and this innocence to like their relationship. It's not complicated by any of those things. It's generally just it's genuinely like his goodness recognizing the goodness within them. And it's exactly. A, and it's like it's almost like I mean, there are, if you pull the thread, I do think, like, Mr. Blakemore is kind of, like, not a fully fleshed out character because he's just, no. Because like, <laughs> he's just, like, he's just, like, a goofy, like, smiling guy the whole I don't know. Did we, did we, we mentioned that Martin Landau plays Mr. Blakemore, did we? The legendary I think I did. actor, Martin Landau, you know. Oscar yeah. for Ed Wood, like great actor, fantastic, um, fantastic, he's a, and he and he's also a big part of the the you know there was a moment in this movie where like he's having a moment where he's talking about Lily you know and and how much he loved her and like Dave was like oh Martin turn it on the tears it's like it's a very <laughs> like it's a very heartfelt uh, performance on his part you know and he brings he brings something to that yes really I actually think there are a lot of really heartfelt. There in this movie and like it actually it's actually makes it what I think like it has elements of like a comfort movie for me like there is comedy but there's also an incredible amount of heart and like I think a lot of movies from this time really like have that like comfort level with me that like I will put them on and watch them at any point and like you know um, just feel like warm about them and this is one of those movies because there is such like the main characters are like there's no like gray area you know what I mean which I think is like uh, you know always an interesting study but that's a different kind of movie that's not necessarily a comfort movie you know what I mean like where it's like you there's no gray area these characters are good people you know and I mean not all of them obviously because we find out the nephew is a slime ball which like I smelled from day one and I mean and we find out that Antonio is kind of a slime ball too. I mean, yes. Well, you find out they're working together, but we do find out we 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 find out like after the make makeover sequence, the nephew is on the phone and he's like, "Don't worry, everything's going as planned. Like I've got all the pictures. Like you know, we're gonna get the money or whatever. Like you don't find out like who he's talking who's to talking or to <laughs> like what the plan actually is. Although you can surmise like. Um, and they do break it down later that, like, they are trying to, like, make it seem like these girls are, like, draining this um, old man dry in his last days, which, like, okay, but, like... Do you think that, do you think that it's... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, no, no, no. I was just gonna... I was just gonna say one thing that Tara noted while we were watching this movie when, like, the lawyer shows up and they're like, oh, Isaac was bad news. He was trying to make it seem like these girls were making him... Um, make, making Mr. Blackmore spend all their money on him. And Tara was like, so what? That's not illegal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're not yeah. doing anything other than spending time with him, and he's spending his money. Like, he's clearly in his right mind. So, like, this isn't an illegal act. Like, what was going to be there, you know? Do, do you think that when Isaac is on the phone and he's talking to somebody, we don't get to meet with the person or anything, but do you think it's possible that he was talking to 90 siren Jennifer Page? <laughs> 
she famously sang the song just a little crush just a little crush like I I couldn't Um, remember the lyric and I said not like I queef every time we touch (laughs) and I don't think that's it Okay, well, Patrick and I famously changed the lyrics to It's Just a Little Thrush. Oh, when you had that out. Um, It wasn't me we were talking about, an anonymous person. (laughs) What does that mean? Who who I won't name on the podcast. But sometimes Patrick will just start singing It's Just a Little Thrush. Um, So I think about Jennifer Page all the time. But let me ask you, why do you think that might be the person on the other end? I just think that given the time period of the movie, it makes sense. And just the climate at the time and the culture. I could see her having maybe been like, you know, get the girls, go to play ball, and then we'll in the money. It's me, Jennifer Baker. I just think that that could be it. Um, I also want to point out the fact that, like, the only thing that saves, like, there's a moment in the movie where, like, Antonio has been sent in to do the dirty work and actually, like, steal from Mr. Blakemore on behalf of Isaac, his nephew. And then, um, and Mickey and Nisi confront him. After, okay, Manly the butler hears a noise and wakes up. He goes downstairs. There's a masked mm-hmm. intruder who bludgeons him on the head, so he's unconscious. And then, you know, Nisi and Mickey hear this noise and wake up, and they go downstairs, and they sort of take him off. On, and they're like ready they to fight. They square up. And they and square up. Ready. And they start, you know, it's very knuck if you buck. And they are. So <laughs> they are such both like throwing hands. It's such a funny scene. And they're just like beating this guy's ass. <laughs> and then, um, and then Isaac comes in. And Isaac is like, clearly his plan was to like frame all three of them. He's like, oh, he's like, or maybe his plan was to just frame Mickey and Nisi. And, you know, if Antonio had successfully completed the task, then the next day it would be like, oh, it was a two of them. But mm-hmm. uh, Manly has sort of come to and observed what happened. So when like Isaac comes in and he's like, oh, the three of you, you know, meaning Antonio, Mickey, and Nisi, the three of you, you know, had like conspired together to still for my mm-hmm. uncle and then un- unexpectedly on his part you know Manly has observed everything and he's like no it was just him the two girls had nothing to do with it and like mm-hmm. it's like that moment where his plan is sort of thwarted and it's like damn like thought you were going to be more unconscious than that <laughs> and so um, but yeah but once again it's like as I was watching it this time I also had the thought of like uh, we just like need another white man as a shield yep. to like uh-huh. guide these two against this other white guy like oh my god like such only, a good point only on like the word of like another white man is like are would these, they be you know, square you would know? They be, yeah would it be okay for him to go to the police and be like no I can vouch for them because as black women regardless of what the evidence you know is as placed before us like it would have turned into like you know Absolutely. a very different they film wouldn't... I guess I suppose Exactly, a more more of a, a, a more recent Halle Berry joint. Yeah, more of a reality uh, situation. Exactly, um, but that well, was just a funny observation. Yeah, well, I I noticed that too. Well, no, I didn't notice that. I'm sorry, you said that, and I was like, oh my god, of course. But I didn't write that down. But what I did write down is like I have questions about this scene because it's like so unhinged. It's so funny. Okay, <laughs> so first of all, the fucking over on these girls to go down and like check out an intruder because my ass would be like I'm gonna lock myself in this 
room in the mansion and hope that nobody finds me because this is so such a big place. Like, chances are they're not going to come to this room, so I'm going to be good. I would, I would Somebody's gotta, keep my nose in my own book. You know what I mean? I've always been a firm believer. Uh, uh-huh. My friends know this. And <laughs> there needed to be somebody who could tell the tale. And in order to be that that survivor, last girl, mm. um, you have to be able to find a nook or a cranny that is going to um, afford you a breathing room and, uh, I guess, visual anonymity, so to speak, yeah. for lack of a better term. Um, you don't want to be caught in the crosshairs. So you do not. I'm always, you know, maybe whispering at dinner, casually in conversation. So, panic rooms, you have one? Like, very that. Because it's like I'm not getting caught up in this. I have famously- so wherever you are invited to dinner, you try to because I I mean to be fair, I, you've been invited to my place for dinner many times, and I've never heard you inquire about a panic room. You got that closet though in that middle room. That's where I'm going. I you know, Mama. This is you already. I told you. I clocked it. Yeah, I know. You it's can. You... People think it is. Yeah, I'd hide. By... Yeah, absolutely. That's I... actually a really good place to hide. Yeah, I'm... you don't get to hide there. If we're there and somebody, that's my spot. So you got to find somewhere else. That somebody breaks in. Brandon, we could all fit in the closet. No, 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 no. That's too many oh, people. That's too. That's too much heavy breathing. Bringing too much noise to your secret spot in my own home. <laughs> no, you should find a place though, and I think really your main thing: call, call somebody mm. and get them, get them there. You know, <laughs> that's the thing. Because if you're too loud on the phone, you could get caught. But I think so. Every everyone, so every we should assign a role to everyone. I'll hide. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> And then you'll be the one who calls? No, I will also be the one hiding or Ugh, leaving. Typical. I'll, I'll leave. <laughs> oh there, I'll make God. sure I draw attention to you leaving. I'll th- <laughs> I'm going to throw like a glass or something down the hallway. As you you like, totally would. <laughs> You'd so. be like, get her! <laughs> <laughs> just to create a little bit, just a little spook for the guy. Throw something and just commotion towards you. I, just, I literally just light like a firecracker. That's like aimed in your direction so he knows where to look. <laughs> so not only do you risk injuring me with a firecracker so that I can't run off. I'll make sure you're I'll make sure you're not in harm's way. I mean you're in harm's way because the robber, but you're not gonna be in harm's way from that firecracker though. Oh my god, this all feels very loose. I don't I don't love it and I don't trust it. Um I get that. You feel your feelings, girl. So my second question about this whole thing where um, they reveal Antonio's the robber and we're there with Manly and Nisi and Mickey and Isaac is there. But like, does Isaac live there? I, got the I don't think he does. He, he shows up with the quickness. So I would have questions. Isaac, yeah, what like, are you doing here? You arrived. You arrived to the estate the. You're moment literally that, like on. It's not. It's like you didn't arrive to the estate the moment it happens. You were at the scene of the crime. Yeah. No. It's it also and also Antonio like looks at Isaac and is like they got us basically. <laughs> I know. Jigs up. We've been caught. And Isaac's like what? He's speaking nonsense. And it's like <laughs> uh, hoping that the shield of his whiteness, which is 
protected rich white men for years will, you know, come through for him once again. And he's just like, what? Don't listen to him. He's out of control. And he's literally like, oh, our plan to like to frame them didn't work out. We better come up with a new one. And it's like in front of them, and like, and every nobody's like, like, hey, wait. That's the thing. <laughs> like nobody's like, wait a minute. Should we ask Isaac a few more questions about this? Or should we ask here? Antonio a few more questions? Because Antonio <laughs> yeah. literally just said our plan of framing your uncle didn't pan out, and nobody acknowledges it. And everybody's like, oh, everyone's like, let's move like, on. I'm white. It didn't happen. And everyone's like, oh, okay, cool. All we heard was you're white, but that was enough for us. That um, actually probably worked in Beverly Hills in 1997. I'm and sure. today. Probably, well, 2021, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that is a really funny moment. Also, a funny moment in this scene is like... After, okay. You're going to say the same thing I'm going to say, I think. After this okay. all happens, is all of this commotion. Antonio's carted off to the big house. Okay, um, mine's before that. Oh, okay. Then you, you say yours then. Okay, I just want to bring out the fact that, like, when Mickey and Nisi go downstairs and they square up and they're fighting the masked man who turns out to be Antonio, they are getting in all these licks. Antonio is doing nothing. Nothing. <laughs> he's sitting there. He's just standing there receiving them. And they have, like, lines in between the, mm-hmm. like, punches. And he's not doing anything. He's not trying to take anybody down, which I'm like, okay, well, maybe he knows he's in the wrong at this voice. point. But he's just, like, receiving the beating. Literally standing there taking hits. Yeah. Um... I was my so that was all I wanted to say. <laughs> my thing was going to be that, like, right after all this happened, it's a lot of commotion. It's a lot going on in this scene. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, they're apprehending, you know, a masked intruder at, like, a mansion in Beverly Hills. And then, like, Nisi and uh, Mickey go upstairs, and Donald Blakemore <laughs> is in the deepest and most <laughs> peaceful of slumbers. He has not been disturbed. And they both and not only has he not been disturbed, meaning like he's in a huge mansion. Who knows where his room is located? Maybe he didn't hear any of this. I mean, money well spent. But nobody like woke him up. Like and the police like took like, like nobody was like, we need to wake him up. I get that he's like an elderly man, but he is but still the owner alive of the estate. and the owner of the estate. He is the one who's been victimized here. And exactly. literally no attempt is made by anyone to go upstairs and wake him up like they go upstairs and make sure he's still breathing like it's just like what is going on what is this shit you need to wake him up and let him know that his home has been burglarized i guess you're gonna just tell him tomorrow at you know at breakfast over captain crunch yeah no you know how angry he gets by surprises because he's already shown you earlier in the movie you know he's gonna be like and my home no Damn very it. good. It's a very good Martin Landau. Thank you. Um, I did notice that, and I also noticed how fucking hysterical it was when Nisi and Mickey go upstairs to make sure he's still alive, and they have their little like moment where it's a little light. Like, when they're back and forth trying to see if she's, he's alive, and then he like rolls over and puts like. 
<laughs> Mickey like puts her head to his chest to hear his heartbeat and he like in his sleep puts his arm over her and the way she like wriggles out of that is so funny to me it's some it's it's, some, <laughs> it's very like it's a shtick it's like it's it's very much in that physical comedy bit he like rolls over yes. his arm around her neck and Dave actually said while we're watching it like what is she doing it was like her <laughs> trying so to like good. get from under his arm without waking him up <laughs> which everybody knows you just gotta go completely limp yep. you just gotta go completely limp so now that Isaac so the thing is Isaac has been revealed and like now uh, he's been revealed to be like a scumbag which I'm like I guess he had but like I felt like we won like a juicier moment where like it's wrapped I don't up know. Really, it's wrapped up really quickly like and there's not a confrontation yeah, between there's, I wanted like more yes that's what I wanted so no. like cause I wasn't sure I was like did they take his word at face value or like but, but then not- the next scene you see okay well the lawyer comes and <laughs> this lawyer she comes and she's like has all of this information we've never seen her before it's just so random Troy Byer is the lawyer who wrote the movie Yes, I did know that, and I found that out afterwards. I found that out afterwards, and then it all started to make sense to me why (laughs) she just kept popping up. Uh, <laughs> she's well. She's an actress, like in her own right. Like she's been in a bunch. Of I stuff. know. I looked at her page, and yeah, good yeah, for yeah. her. Yeah. And and she, this is a great movie. I'm glad she wrote it. Um, she's really upset with it. She doesn't. She's really upset about the movie. I uh, did see that she didn't love how it turned out, which I think is a shame because I think it's a great movie. And I but. actually, you know, that's from an IndieWire interview in like '98, I think. And I would love to hear her perspective now. I don't know if she feels. Yeah. Different. I mean, we're talking about a movie that was directed by Robert Townsend, a very famous. Yeah. You know, prolific person in terms of like cinema as a whole, African American mm-hmm. comedy uh, writer, director. Like, the f- yeah, it was the first movie he directed that he didn't write. So we've got Robert Townsend, mm. and we've got you know Halle Berry, Natalie DeSalle, and we've got um, Troy Byer having written the script. So this is like a movie that has a lot of black people in positions of power throughout the process. And so mm-hmm. you know we've got Ruth Carter doing costumes, we've got Kimberly Kimball as well as other like African American like hairstylists working on it. So I mean. That's one of the other things that's really special about this movie. I I would hope that in retrospect she could see like the cultural impact of it and like you know. I bet she does now, but I, I also so. think like I, I I imagine her feelings are her feelings though, and that's valid too. You know. Yeah, of course. I think like it's interesting for me to think like if I was in this position, um, <laughs> how I would feel about a movie that um, you know was kind of universally panned. And, like, would that sort of, like, gaslight me into thinking that I didn't do the thing that I set out to do? But, like, because I often find that, like, sometimes I'm, like, gaslit by other people's opinions on something. Like, I really like something. And then, (laughs) maybe I'm using the term gas. Just say my name, Jane. Just (laughs) say my name. (laughs) Not you. I mean, like, people in power. So, like, if I like something, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, influence. Like... If I like something a lot and then I, like, read something about someone who didn't like something, sometimes I will have to have a conversation with myself about being, like, I will start to see it through a different lens because someone I respect or someone who is, quote, unquote, respected doesn't have great things to say about it. And I have to have conversations with myself, actually, pretty frequently, being, like... 
hey, just because this person didn't enjoy this thing does not mean that you cannot enjoy this thing. And you have to continue to see it through the lens in which you saw it and your opinion is valid and it's important. And I think that I would have... I can do that now, now that I'm, you know, in my 30s. But I think when... How fucking dare you? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> because I'm confident in my opinion. I don't think... I Like, I, I think that when I was younger, I used to have all these conversations about myself. Like, oh, this person is smarter than me. They must know more than me. They must have... They must understand something yes. in a way that I don't. And so they see this as not being that good or whatever when I love. It. And it's like, no, people just have different opinions, and my opinion is just as valid as theirs. I mean, I think that, like, yeah, exactly. I think that's sort of the thing, like, that sort of exists around the whole world of critics as well. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. I mean, like, I think that it was something I noticed mostly with, like, you know, um, God, I sound really old with the internet. Um, <laughs> but um, with the internet coming in and all of the way we get music is so different now. And, like, that, mm-hmm. remember, like, it used to be, like, music critics got them, got the music early. Totally. They put their reviews in, and like I remember that sort of being when I was like a teenager, where it started to sort of be like, oh, who gives a shit what you think? I like it, and like you yeah. heard it the same day I heard it, and you put your review out like the next day, and I've already listened mm-hmm. to it, and I like it, and I don't care if you give it, you know, mm-hmm. one and a half stars because it's you know, but it's also that thing too of like being a critic who's sort of like whose expertise is everything, you know, that sort of holistic right. idea of like you're a critic who works for this magazine or this company, and you review everything, and mm-hmm. we're not taken into account like your vantage point or like you know where you come from or like the body of work that you have specialized in we're just going to task Mm -hmm. you with reviewing all of these so you're going to basically have this opportunity to look at the entire experience of like cinema through the eyes the varied eyes of all of these different creators but Mm -hmm. you as like a single solitary white man with like one Mm -hmm. you know with with one mind and like one set of lived experiences have you know, car blanched, like, mm-hmm. you know, rip apart like these artists whose, you know, ref- reflection that they're, you know, or the mirror that they're holding up to you may not be the reflection that you see every day, but like it doesn't take away from the validity of it or, mm-hmm. the, you know, the necessity, you know. Of it, why we, why it's necessary for us to have this, you know, this be a part of the conversation. We're talking about the American experience, which is, you know, obviously messy, so and complex, and so varied, and so dependent on, you know, race, gender, you know, socioeconomic status. Like, I don't know why. And also, like these critics having the like at least like idea or the like the awareness or the self-awareness even and like not being as like what I imagine is like sort of egomaniacal like not everything is made for you yeah that's the other thing yeah and you yeah the humility and just trying to understand that like if I don't get this maybe it's not that it's bad maybe that maybe it's that I don't I just f- don't understand it because of who I am and my circumstances and all that kind of stuff, which is which is true, which is true for a lot of things. But it's that thing, too, as a person of color, having grown up. I mean, now it's so different. But like, even for me, even though as all of our listeners know, I'm young as fuck. But like for me growing <laughs> up, like you are just as a black person, like as a person of color, you are just sort of tasked with like taking in the world around you through the white lens. And so... Mm we become so accustomed to like, 
to that that like the white experience you know is is sold to us as the american experience so like we always feel Mm -hmm. like another even you know within the consumption of media it's like you don't even think about it that like every now and then you get to see a movie where there's a reflection you know you see bits and pieces of yourself maybe like a the funny black friend or something like that largely Mm -hmm. but you don't really get that sort of experience so i think we are always sort of tasked with like taking in art in a different way and consuming it differently because it's not hard for us to divorce Mm -hmm. ourselves from you know the images that are being placed before us because Mm -hmm. by and large i mean we aren't a part of the conversation and i know that as people of color we you know are you know getting we're faring better than a lot of other you know races so the erasure is real i mean you know what i mean or you're playing like you know a cleaning person or you know when you say you're faring be- better than a lot of other races, do you just mean that your representation is? I mean, I, I just meant I meant okay. we are. Re- I meant that we are. Sorry if I said that strangely. No, no, no. Oh. I'm just clarifying because oh. I just I was like, oh I, no, that is I what think, I meant. I, just, I think you mean your representation. I, is I like meant that like higher I know that than other. I, yeah. I know because I think about it when I think about other races when I'm watching movies mm-hmm. or television shows and or or I'm made aware of it because I watch a specific film and I think, wow, this is a story that I have never seen before. You yeah. know what I mean? Told on this mm-hmm. scale and with this level of complexity and nuance. I thought it honestly when I saw like Crazy Crazy Rich Asians, I had that moment where totally. I was like, these are stories that I have never been privy to. And it is 100 mm-hmm. percent you know, it is 100 percent the story of this culture. But obviously that the human connection is there and I'm able to you know understand you know understand it and see it through my through my lens you know but it was like wow like what an amazing you know what what amazing insight you know and i'm not mm-hmm. saying that that's obviously that that's not the whole of the asian experience i i'm of just course. saying i don't think yeah. anybody thinks you're saying that of no but i'm just not. saying it's, yeah. it's it's a wonderful example though and i know that like you know there are other races of people that you know, feel completely, you know, on the sidelines of like, Mm -hmm. of pop culture and, you know, of uh, the sort of cinematic experience, especially if they're looking for representation back in like the 80s or the 90s, you know? Oh, yeah, there's nothing. But then, you know, when things like this happen, then, you know, the movie's panned and, you know, these women are, you know, and that, but that's why I think I've been trying to point out sort of like those moments in the movie that like add and like that, that the moments in the movie that um, fight against those stereotypes Mm-hmm. And, like, sort of say, I know you thought this was going to happen, but actually this is what we're going to do. Like, totally. it would have been easy and low-hanging fruit to go for that, but we're actually going to go for this. And right. that's one of the things that I think is really a part of why the movie is is um, is still uh, relevant and still a part of, like, the, those conversations that are happening. Mm-hmm. And it's all these things that we were taught to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we were taught, you know, were in some way indicative of, like, of, you know low breeding or like uh, Mm -hmm. an ignorance you know or cheap and it's like that idea of it all being reclaimed and celebrated and placed at the forefront again and then Mm -hmm. it's like there's so much of that happening though of people going back and being like huh maybe we got that one wrong it's like you did because you saw something that you couldn't understand or you know it wasn't it wasn't a reflection of your life or your existence and there was like this sort of like 
poo-pooing of it. There was like this shutdown that happened where it was like, oh, okay, it's different for me. Oh, they should be embarrassed. Oh, I'd be embarrassed if that were me. Oh my God, we're laughing at them, not with them. It's like, no, you're mm-hmm. laughing at them. Mm-hmm. But your experience is not that of like everybody else. A lot of people are watching this and they are, you know, able to connect with these stories. And and yeah. maybe you're laughing because laughing at people in a movie because you have no idea how to celebrate something that's different from what you know, you know? That- yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a problem. And that's why we always have to look back while continuing, obviously, to look forward and change the, you know, the thing like we have to look back at these kinds of movies that like didn't get their due because of those kinds of things. Absolutely. And I hope that we're doing it with more and more movies, too. And I think like having these conversations too, like informs like and, and I don't know, I'm not in fucking Hollywood, but like I hope it <laughs> I hope there are. <laughs> some things that we learned that we did that are fucking wrong like panning this movie without understanding what it's actually about you know god but you hear some of those stories though like who was telling that story about like the executives having the meeting about making like a biopic on Harriet Tubman and like one of the executives mentioned casting Julia Roberts as Harriet Tubman <laughs> and then somebody oh in the room was like god. we can't cast Julia Roberts as Harriet Tubman she's not black and then the person said like oh people are gonna you know people are gonna forget that time or we can you know we can spin it or something and it was like a conversation from like i think around this time period like the early to mid 90s and it's just like oh you're not joking you're fucking serious like oh my god thank goodness she got you know aaron brockovich so she was busy for a little while <laughs> she was too busy to play harry and fucking she's like i'll take she's just- like i'll take the meeting i'll take the meeting <laughs> Oh my god, can you imagine how different Julia Roberts' career would be if she'd taken that role? <laughs> oh my god, everybody having their comeuppance now, people going back and digging around, like, that's not, that's not even digging around, but yeah. No, no, that would just be like, like looking through your IMDb page being like, what the fuck was I thinking? Fox Searchlight presents to you, Julia <laughs> Annabeth Roberts, in the role she was born to play as Tubman <laughs> whoa I didn't love the way you said Tubman Jane what? no let's continue let's continue <laughs> all right um so <laughs> so we get back to the house and the timing here is really muddy because I don't understand what's happening so I'm assuming that there this is after the club where Nisi and Mickey are sitting in the bedroom and they're like, we have to, Nisi's like, we have to tell them the truth. We have to tell them the truth. We can't do this anymore. This is like too painful. And Mickey's like, yeah, I think you're right. And Nisi's like, why don't we, uh, but we can't tell him in person. So I'm going to write him a letter and then we're going to fly out first thing in the morning. <laughs> just like okay you're dropping a bomb and leave like you're not here for the like after you're not here for the bomb exploding you're exactly you're setting like a delayed like uh, yeah you're setting you want delayed, like a delayed ex- spark to like accelerator to like get out obviously you and I both really know about like bomb stuff I could have no. and I would have sounded like I did you were like <laughs> jumping in on it and then they're like oh they're both idiots so like yeah I'll lean into it Brandon I think we've had this podcast long enough for people to know that we are both idiots. <laughs> Do you ever feel like a plastic bag? I knew it. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, so yeah, so they're like, let's like get our flight set up with the, the no money we have, and let's um and let's leave him the letter, the dear John letter, and let's dip so that like we're gone before he wakes up in the morning. That's the best way to handle this. Which is like. <laughs> Okay, you gotta do what you gotta do, but whatever. But Halle Berry's also in this, like, incredible, like, yellow, like, night dress. It, she looks like a full-blown, like, 1940s Hollywood siren with the blonde, perfect yeah. hair and the yellow night dress. And she's, like, wandering around the manse, like, having lots of feelings. And, like, she, like, turns on a spotlight. <laughs> yeah, that was a choice, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like a room with a spotlight that she walks into and it's like a 1940 spotlight and she like yeah. turns it on and has a full moment in this like I guess like once probably like a da- like a dance room like a room yeah like a banquet for, for banquet banquets, room yeah. yeah and like I'm not mad at it she looks amazing the moment is no, like incredible so anyways old Mr. B he's got a me- medical emergency and is rushed to the hospital and he unfortunately passes away there's that moment though it's like the beginning of like there's towards the end of this movie I the tears just start rolling I know that I'm they do I got like emotional but I'm fully on board (laughs) there's a moment when they get to the the hospital and like Isaac his nephew shows up and he like hand he like sort of tries to hand them the checks that he promised them for the $10,000 at the beginning of the movie obviously this is all moved and it's way bigger and there's more at stake than like this 10k and they've already turned down 50k a piece and he puts the check out and he, he like sticks it in like Nisi's face sort of just to be like here you go whore like this is like this is what you wanted remember like it's it's more of like that opportunity <laughs> to sort of like bring her down to earth again like whoever you right. think you are remember what this was all about the money mm-hmm. and she and she slaps his hand like get that money in my face and then she's <laughs> like, like there ain't enough money in the world to buy me and then like he says to her really like with like this like it's like vitriol and he's like how she's like you're not you know she's like who you all the lying and deceiving you know that you did to your Mm -hmm. uncle and then he's like oh by the way house lily (laughs) like reminding us that like you know you came here she like participated in this lie and you're no better than me you were part of the ruse too even though clearly (laughs) she didn't understand what she was a part of and like he would right like you lied to her to get her here in the first place you lied to her to get her here you and jennifer page 90s pop star (laughs) came up with some weird plan and you probably convinced yourselves that it was just a little caper but it was a lot more than that and there was a lot more at stake so like the blood on her hands as well (laughs) yeah and so (laughs) we find out at the end when they are leaving and the last the lawyer re- shows up and she's the like, lawyer pops up again the lawyer pops up again and she's like hi can I talk to you in the, the sitting room this will be really quick she also there's a nonchalance to her that's like what would you have done if they had left already she was like oh I'm glad I caught you before you left it's like <laughs> you should have called and talked to Manly and been like hold them there this these things sick. are like this is like a range <laughs> like it's yeah. like so like hey she, since you're here I just want to let you know by the way Mr. Blackmore left you a huge sum of money. Blakemore. them. Mr. Blakemore leaves them. I keep calling him Blackmore. Million dollars. We don't know how much they leave him. Mama, we do know how much because we can see her mouth moving when she says it. She says, <laughs> she 
says, because she starts reading well, the wait, Old wait. Testament. We should say for those of you who haven't seen the movie, when she reads out the will, the well, last one, yeah, Testament. I was going to say, yeah, she sets oh, it up. Isaac, I was going to say Isaac pops up too, obviously twirling his mustache because he's the confirmed villain of the movie. He shows up, he's really <laughs> smug, and he's really ready to hear about, you know, all that is promised to him. He takes a seat on the couch, and he's sort of like, you know, you girls can go if you want, before, like, the will's even been read, even though it's like, the lawyer who's holding it just told us to come in here, and it sounds like she's got important information for us, so we'll defer to her. Um, yeah. And so, and she says, you know, she starts reading it, and then she starts by, and then she says, to, um, to my Babs, uh, to my Babs, Mickey and Nisi, and then Dave says, to Dave says, what are the, what, are, what does Babs mean? And I go, shh, shh, <laughs> it's coming. And then the two, and then they go, what does Babs mean? And then she says, black American princesses. And you like go, oh, be still my heart. Um, and then, and then it goes. I can't to believe like, Dave didn't know that term. That and then, like, but I mean, how would he though? It doesn't say it anywhere on like the cover of the movie or anything. He's never heard of. It. I had a friend in high school who used to refer to herself as a bat. Well, well Dave didn't have that friend in high school. So I just feel like I felt like it was part of our cultural canon. My bad. You love it. You white people are supposed to have each other's backs. That was the deal <laughs> that you've made in this country for years. And, and trust me, we fucking. <laughs> and like all of a sudden though it is turning into something else here you're coming for my prince oh <laughs> i hated that anyway I, we uh, all hate it you're yeah prince. i didn't love it i don't feel that way i mean i love him but like never i only say things like that when i want to disgust him which is a lot of the time i enjoy making my husband cringe um and not just in the bedroom hey that was my man. Um, so, but we also, we see that Nisi and, um, Mickey, they finally open, uh, their, they name it Lily's. Um, Lily's, the their salon slash restaurant. Changed, yeah, the woman who changed their lives, um, without ever meeting them. Um, they name it after her. We get a cameo from Dennis Rodman. We get mm-hmm. a cameo from downtown Julie Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing a big opening, um, and they're discussing all of the openings that they have coming up. And it's mm-hmm. too many. Um, for a business that is untested and a market that has <laughs> never just... been tapped into. But they're having a conversation with downtown Julie Brown, I believe, and they're like, We're opening one in we're opening one in Hong Kong, we're opening one in it's New like York. New York, Paris, and Decatur, Georgia. And it's like, let's see how the one in Los Angeles does first before yeah. also this feels like more of like you should be having this conversation in meeting, maybe not at the opening. Like stop talking talking shop and like enjoy yourselves, you know? Yeah, and let's just get this one off the ground. I would say just a year. Just a year to yeah. see what happens. I yes. get that you have a hundred million dollars, but like, let's but make some of those. you turn a profit. Let's yeah, well, let's start planning those other ones out and maybe mm-hmm. like get some blueprints drawn. Well, I think end. also you and I are famously business minded. So, you know, we understand these kind of things. I am for sure. Mm-hmm. Tycoon is the word I think that I've heard. Tycoon. Yeah. Reference. You were the president and CEO of Zima for many years. For many years. And we really, mm-hmm. we had a moment during like, as I call it, the 90210 era. That was when Absolutely. A lot of the youths were drinking that at parties and stuff because it didn't get you did use drunk as some of the mm. other like, like and you loved your market was underage kids which is great for you and your um, career <laughs> in the alcohol industry. <laughs> I see what you're trying to do here. <laughs> You'll be hearing from my fucking lawyer. I'm not going to be slandered. By some yokel, okay? Yokel? 
All right. Best daughter. Um, no, Jane is famously metropolitan. Um, so yeah, so they, I mean, they, it's a Cinderella story and that's the other thing. It is. That was my last point is it's like a true rags to riches story and you don't really get to see those stories with like figures like this at the helm. Like, so it's to see these two, you know, women be sort of like loved and lifted up, you know, and their dream come true, which is not something Mm -hmm. that we often get to see this, these black women, this friendship intact, Mm -hmm. um, it is stronger than ever. It's just, it's really wonderful. And also the fact that like Nisi gets her guy, Ali, mm-hmm. and she doesn't conform for him. She doesn't change. No. She never changes. In fact, he, he changes. changes for her. Which is another thing you don't really see. Both of those men movies. change for their women. For their which women. Is really, which yeah, is nice. The women say, this is what you need to do in order to like make this work with me and to make me feel like you are a person who's you know worthy of me. And mm-hmm. the men show up and they say, we've done the things that you've asked us to do. And I feel like that's just one more. Re- Not that anybody should be ultimately changing for anybody but it's it's the challenge to grow is what it is more than like Mm -hmm. change who you are it's figure out who you are step into that you know and Mm -hmm. don't be afraid of being great you know i want to be great and i want you to be great with me Mm -hmm. and so they rise to the occasion and i mean they do and the movie ends in this swell of joy and vindication you know it's i feel good every time i watch this film me too it's like that's why it's a comfort film it's like this will anytime I see this movie it will feel like a comfort movie to me now and, and I was going to ask you like, famously Jane mm, would you watch this yes. movie again I mean um, 100% of course I loved it um, it's one of um, you know one of my favorite choices for me so far for sure oh thank you so much would you mm-hmm. um, a second question is, would you be willing to step into the shoes of Anisi or a Mickey if they were to do um a reboot of this movie. Um. <laughs> um, I would have to call Julia Roberts and see how she handled the um, Harriet Tubman stuff. Um, okay, but yeah, fair. I would. S- I, I would say it's probably not my lane, um, but I would be um, in support of the project to maybe help us behind the scenes if they needed. You know, they would have sure. probably called it like Le Harriet and like made it French or some <laughs> shit and just erase all the black people and, the, and like the slavery from it. Um, so great. Um, this was a lot of fun. Um, I love talking to you as always. Um, I think that you are a very valid and vital person. Mm. And you're a woman who is um, arguably in the prime of her life. And I'd love to see you <laughs> win. I'm, I've seen you lose. God knows. But to see you like <laughs> step into your truth mm. um, and not be the thing that I could see you being inclined to be based on your circumstances is uh, really great. So um, what I want to know is um, what movie are we watching next week? Mama? Well... <laughs> I think you may already have a an inkling God. because what I always know because you never it's like when you ask me about a movie it's like the movie I'm watching that week it's not like you you like mapping out okay like do you want me to the- do you want me to pick a different one no pick it it's okay you're clearly upset no so I can I'm pick- a, no I, no don't no you you do you you do you, Jane. I love you. I mean, look, I try to make it a surprise as much as possible. I try to ask your husband instead of you, but he doesn't always know. <laughs> you literally texted me and you asked me if I watched it like earlier this week. But okay. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> this one I did text you. And I've done this to you twice, only twice that you've known. So we are watching next week, but I'm a cheerleader. 
Yeah, I'm excited to see it. I know Natasha Leone's in it. I I know mm-hmm. it's about. I think she. It's like a conversion, gay conversion movie, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I've never seen it before, so I'm excited to watch it. And I love Natasha Leone in anything. So mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's it's one of my most favorite favorite movies. I'm I'm um, psyched. I'm truly psyched. Yeah, I'm really excited for you to see it. And I'm surprised I haven't seen it, yeah. Well, it's mind-blowing I haven't seen it, too, particularly because, um, well, no, I'm not going to say anything. I can't wait to talk about it next week. And I can't wait to talk about it with you, too. I love you. I love you, too. And we love you guys who listen as well. Thank you guys for for listening. Thank you for the love and the support, the fan Mm. mail, Mm. you know. Thank you all. Yeah, the cash. Um that you guys have been sending has been great. Oh, I didn't hear about um, that. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't told you. I'll, I'll tell you about that later for sure. Oh, okay. Off mm-hmm. off record, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that note... <laughs> Thank you, guys. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. She does her little interpretive dance. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)